Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Time now for the Character and Smallman Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and happy Friday. Great to have you with us on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's 7.01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler as we get ready for an NHL Blues and NFL weekend. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy. Happy Friday. I'm looking forward to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Looking forward to a lot of Blues hockey. It's been too long. We saw Chris Pronger get his number retired the last time we saw the Blues play. I know. I don't like this. There, There's no NFL team in town. Baseball isn't doing anything. We need more Blues hockey throughout the week. We need Blues hockey to from Canada to warm us up as it sits at six degrees right now in the St. Louis. Uh, five. Five degrees in St. Louis. Stupid. Winter oh, no. is stupid. Yeah, it really is. I'm but over it. It can't last much longer, can it? At least a month, probably. Yeah, it's the worst. It's the, <laughs> it's the worst. worst. It is. But you know what the good news is? Is we'll undoubtedly have like a 60 degree day in there. Yeah. So at least we have that to look forward to. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. We'll get out and hit the golf ball around on that 60 degree day. And then it'll be four again the next day. Yeah. Your St. Louis Blues in Seattle tonight. First time they've ever played in Seattle. We have the pregame at 8 o'clock here on 101 ESPN. Alex Ferrario with the pregame and then Curbs and Joey with the call at 9 o'clock. And then following tonight, Michelle, the Blues will make a trek to Western Canada where they'll play Vancouver on Sunday night and then Calgary on Monday night. And this is not a trek that American Justin Falk is particularly looking forward to. I mean, it just seems to be that uh, things are going a little bit differently up there than they are here. And, um, you know, I, I, I uh, like where we're at in, uh, in this country. So we'll go with that. America. No fans in Canada again. And we know how the Blues reacted to no fans in the bubble. Yes. So Not great. It, was, it wasn't no. great. No, it, it was not. And Justin Falk wasn't even with that team in the bubble. But everybody feels the same way about playing without fans. And just getting into and out of Canada right now is kind of a hassle. It is. But if you're the NHL, even though it is a hassle and you're having to deal with all of these different circumstances, you don't want to cancel those games and have to reschedule them again. No, it's you make it work. Yeah, and the Blues will have a half dozen games in February. By the way, the broadcasters don't get to experience the Blues' first ever game in Seattle either. Both our 101 ESPN crew and the TV crew are staying home to do the broadcasts remotely. And it's one thing to have a Nashville game where you're doing it from either Centene or from Bally. But it's a real bummer, I think, when you have the first game ever against Seattle and you don't get to be in their building. Absolutely. And 
it's always cool to be a part of something that's the first, but I would be really interested to go into that building and see what the fans are like, what's the game day experience like, what are little nuances that happen during a game in that arena in Seattle that we can talk about and tell our fans about. I mean, it, it's a huge component of your broadcast, too, when you think about it, when yeah. you go somewhere like Seattle. It would be really nice to have them there, but it is what it is. Billikens with a tough loss last night. They were ahead of UMass late and lost 91-85. Michelle, this is really a bugaboo for the Billikens. They had Auburn, and Auburn got more number one votes than any other team in the country this year. Gonzaga, Gonzaga is number one because they have more points, but the team with the most number one votes was Auburn, and the Bills had them at Chaffetz Arena. They were up by a dozen with seven minutes to play and let that game get away, and let last night's game at UMass get away too, and right now, I don't think there's anything the Billikens could do, even if they win the rest of their regular season games. I don't think that they could be an at-large team in the NCAA tournament. I think they have to win the A-10 tournament. Yes, those losses, I think, are going to weigh too heavy, but that, which is a shame because it's a talented Bills team. Yeah, and losing Javante Perkins before the season hurt him. Travis Ford just not getting much luck, and the Billikens fall last night, 91-85. We mentioned that it's an NFL weekend, and you'll hear a lot of the action here on 101 ESPN tomorrow afternoon at 3 o'clock. You've got the Bengals and Titans, followed by the Niners and Packers. Then Sunday, you've got the Buccaneers and the Rams. That's a 2 o'clock game. And then as we have hockey on Sunday night, the Bills will visit Kansas City. And, Michelle, tomorrow night, It'll be another rematch of San Francisco and Green Bay. They've had some epic playoff games in the past. Lambeau Field, Saturday night, and 49ers tight end George Kittle, who played college football at Iowa, grew up in the Midwest. He's pretty excited. Lambeau's going to be awesome. Uh, Historic stadium. Haven't played there since 2018. Very excited to go there. Um, It's really kind of a dream come true. So looking forward to that experience to play a night playoff game at Lambeau, zero degrees. And what more can you ask for? It is cool. It's a mm-hmm. it's a historic place. You and I were there this season. It is just a different vibe when you're there. It feels so special and historic. But I don't know if I was him if I'd be looking forward to the temps. That's certainly not no. something that I would be excited about. All right. So, and we want you to weigh in 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. And, of course, you can always send us a Rhino Shield mic drop with the 101 ESPN app. Michelle, if there were a dream come true sports venue Mm -hmm. to participate at or be at, what would it be? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is Augusta National. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's really nowhere in sports, I think, that is as hollowed as that Mm -hmm. and as exclusive as that, Um, especially to play. I would say if I was a baseball player, playing at Fenway would Mm -hmm. be pretty awesome. I've been there to a game and it's great, but I, I mean, if you're playing a postseason game at Fenway, imagine all the history that's happened there. Right. And then you're a part of it. That's pretty cool. So those are the first two that that pop into my head. I would also think if you're not going historic, it would be awesome to play in a place where the crowd is wild. Like if if I'm an NFL player, I want to play in Buffalo. I want to go there. Or I'm, Green Bay is another great example, but the history is there but i want to go to a place where it is everything pittsburgh another Mm -hmm. great example even philly their fans are nuts and i might get batteries thrown at me but i want to go into a crowd where it really matters i think cameron indoor for a basketball player as a college basketball player if you get to play there it's likely an unforgettable experience and something that 
very few people get the opportunity to participate in. You mentioned Augusta National, Pebble Beach, even though it's easier to get on Pebble Beach than Augusta. That's sort of a, a dream scenario for you. And then uh, I wonder how many baseball players as cool as Fenway is, they like the idea of Wrigley Field simply because Babe Ruth called his shot at Wrigley Field. And there have been as many historical players that that have stepped to that home plate as anybody. I I would have to think that players from a dream, and we'll ask Adam Wainwright about this. He's coming up at 7.30, by the way. I, I wonder where players, where players that already have played places, he's played Augusta National, what yeah. their dream scenario is. Wrigley is such a special place. I love love Wrigley, but it's a little less special to me now mm-hmm. with the scoreboard and the way it's been commercialized with all the the new buildings around it. It it just doesn't feel as old anymore, mm-hmm. which takes a little bit of the glamour away for me. Couple of Tech 65780 Arrowhead Stadium. That one will get used this weekend, the Horseshoe. How about uh, this one, Uh, the Knicks versus the Bulls at the Garden, but it doesn't even have to be the Bulls as far as I'm concerned because every player that walks into Madison Square Garden calls it the Mecca. Yes, everybody does. So uh, Steve Cerruti, who I used to work with at ESPN, he and I co-host a podcast together. He is in Connecticut, and he's a Magic fan, and he went to MSG to see the Magic and Knicks play this season, and he's like, I can't believe I've lived in Connecticut my entire life, and I never went there. And he's kind of a cynicist, uh, a cynical guy, Randy. Mm-hmm. He was like, it is the coolest venue I have ever been in. It not only matches the hype, it exceeds the hype. He's like, the vibe was awesome. The fans were crazy. He's like, there's just something about that building that is so special. And we just, even though that's been rehabbed multiple times, it's still an older building. Might be the oldest building in the NBA. We'll have um, to look that up. It almost might be. certainly the oldest building in the NHL. Because Toronto has a newer building, Montreal has a newer building, Calgary has, their building was built in the mid-80s. So it has that historical perspective that we're talking about in addition to just being cool where the fans are great. I have not gone to a game at MSG. I've seen a concert there. Mm -hmm. And even going to a concert there was cool. So it's on my bucket list to get there. Yeah. So if you'd like to weigh in, we're going to do this uh, both now and in the 9 o'clock hour. If you have a venue that if you were an athlete and had the opportunity to play, or if you could just play a pickup game, where would it be? 65780, that's the Air Comfort Service text line. And, of course, you can always use the mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app. So, Grant, with the assist here, so MSG opened February 11th, 1968. It's the oldest major sporting facility in the New York metropolitan area, area and it's the oldest arena in the NBA and the NHL. You so, were correct. There you go. So you have that. And then the only stadiums older would be Dodger Stadium and Lambeau Field, Wrigley, and uh, Fenway. I think that in pro sports, major pro sports, that would be it. So pretty impressive. Adam Wainwright coming up at the bottom of the hour. He's got a great uh, event coming up here in a couple of weeks. But next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Peak and pit of the week on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Up into the peaks or into the pit? Peaks and pits. Join in on the conversation with Character and Smallman now. Text 65780. This is 101 ESPN. 
want to participate, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Michelle and Randy with you. And Michelle, my peak of the week is our friend Chris Pronger getting his number retired. He joined the fast lane yesterday. That was a fun ceremony, a good night on Monday night over at Enterprise Center and seeing all the folks that uh, I've known for such a long time. Dan Deardorff was there. Joe Buck was there. All the former blues players uh, were there. That was very cool. So that was my peak of the week. And my pit of the week was yesterday when I was making that smoothie and I put the flaxseed oil in the motorized compartment of my my uh, ninja, my, my ninja smoothie maker. And it's fine. It works. It's just I, I felt stupid. It was my pit of the week. Did you just say ninja? That's how uh, Sofia Vergara does it on the commercials. The, the ninja. <laughs> Very good, Randy. Thank you. Very good. I love your Sofia Vergara. Good impression. <laughs> yeah, that's that's bad. But at least you didn't try to blend the smoothie with the lid not secure. People have done that. I I've saw done a couple that. of texts yesterday. Uh, from, you've done that. I have done that. So you know what I did? I make this really great black bean tomato soup that I just love. And part of the recipe is that you know you cook it for a certain amount of time. You take it off the heat. You let it cool, not completely. But then you take some of the soup and you transfer it to a blender. You blend it and then you add it back to the original pot and let it mix up. Well, one time I didn't let it cool enough and I put it in the blender and the heat caused it to explode everywhere. Everywhere. So not only did I not have anything to eat, but then I had to clean up soup in my kitchen for like an hour. That's the worst. And it was like months later I would find dried soup and crevices that I didn't even know existed. It I was bet that crazy. Was, that was a pit of that week. It was a pit for a long time. So at least you didn't have to deal with that. Right. So that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I would say my peak is another come from behind victory for the Blues. This team is so fun to watch. They just have that that little something that makes you, you never want to miss a game anyway, but you, you definitely don't want to miss a game when you know your team is never out of it. No matter what the right. circumstances are, they seem to find a way to win. So that was my peak. And then my pit was that I didn't get to go to Chris Pronger's number retirement i would have loved to be there in the building i thought about going and then i was like no i need to prep for the show like we have to get up early i'm not gonna go and i should have i should have gone i've been kicking myself all week that i didn't do it so that's my pit well make sure that when albert's number is retired that you're there oh i will be there is that the next st louis retired number probably i would think so too well if he plays this year do you think he will? I don't think that anybody will sign him. Yeah, I don't think so either. So that would make him a year ahead of Yachty. You're right. For Hall of Fame considerations. Yeah. So yeah, he'll probably be the next guy. So how about this one from the 636? Peak, my divorce was finalized and I kept the house. Pitt, I lost the furniture. Oh. Isn't that an okay trade-off if you like the house, though? Getting new furniture? Yes, but not necessarily right now because everything is so backordered. That's true. Good point. I'm yeah. trying to buy a new bed and I was looking at different styles in different places and when you go to look at delivery some of them are like the earliest is like june so this That's this poor person could be ordering sleeping furniture on floors. Sleeping, sitting sitting in a folding chair in your living room for months that stings i know that our friends at lazy boy are having a big sale coming up uh up until super bowl or the big game that's what it is. Oh, the big game. Yeah, yes, before, the, big before game. the big game, uh, Lazy Boy is having a big sale. So just keep that one in your pocket. For sure. Or you could buy it uh, local, I'm sure, at like a vintage store or something. Right. Get, get it right there. Get. You could order from California, order vintage stuff. It's 
because people order vintage furniture from California and it really works out oh well. Oh, my goodness. It's a great experience for everybody that yeah. tries it. Yeah, people will steal your money, Californians. <laughs> bad, bad people live in California. <laughs> yes, That's all I have to say. It just seems like if you're a shady person, you're like, where should I live? L.A. sounds like a good spot. <laughs> what else do we have on the text line? 65780. From the 314. I don't have any peaks. I'm a teacher. Being a teacher straight <laughs> sucks right now, and that's my pit. And honestly, shout out to all the teachers and the yeah. parents because having to juggle this at-home learning and you're in, you're out, your your teacher has COVID, all of these things, talking to parents and talking to my friends that are teachers, it really is a nightmare right now. So God bless everyone having to deal with that. I'm telling you, I could not do it. I would disappoint some families and a school district if I were a teacher right now because I don't have the intestinal fortitude to stick with it, Michelle. I would quit. I have to get somebody else to do this. I'm not doing it. Forget it. I'm out. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people have. You know that show called Snapped? I feel yep, like a yep. lot of teachers yep. are just like, I have, I mean, I don't think there's a murder involved like the show, but I think they're just are like, you know what? I'm walking out. I'm never coming back. <laughs> Okay, uh, from the 636, peak. I found out I'm going to be a grandpa. That's Congratulations. Exciting. Congratulations. That's a good peak. Pit, $3 gas and six degree temps. Whew. Bad combo again. Bad combo. It really Don't is. Like it. From the 636, my pit of the week is the extreme cold. Yeah, I think everybody's is. My peak is that I heard Harrison Bader became a substitute teacher for a short staff school in Missouri. Isn't that nice? That's yes. very cool on it's his part. a great part. story. It really was. Uh, he was a substitute PE teacher. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he knows the subject. That's and he would for sure. be great at that in dealing. He's just a good person in terms of dealing with other people. For sure. From the 217, my peak remote learning for three more weeks, which means more time with family. Pitt, a blues game I have tickets for, got moved to the weekend where I'm supposed to be going back to school for in person classes. Okay. I get, this is a situation where we have to set our priorities, is it not? And your priority has to be the Blues game. I'll do respect. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'll do respect to anything else going on if you have tickets. And yeah. I, I hate to bring this up, but you may be remote learning for longer than three weeks. That's a good so, point, so too. It, yeah. it, might, it yeah. might end up working yeah, in your just favor. take your phone to the game. <laughs> there you go. That's right. There's Wi-Fi there. Yep. From the 314, my peak is a shout-out to Randy. I've been doing Slim 180 for 10 days, and I'm down 12 pounds. Love it. Congratulations. No pit. That's just awesome. a peak. That's, you know, that, you. that first weight loss, when it comes off, you feel so good. Yeah, it really does make a huge difference. And you feel a lot better. I mean, you just you have more energy. You don't... You and I were talking the other day about dragging around 20 pounds. Oh. And I was telling you the story. Pat Riley, if he had a player show up at a training camp for 20 pounds overweight... He'd get two milk jugs, gallon milk jugs, full of water, and he'd tie a rope to each handle, and he'd make players wear that rope around their neck. So they were lugging an extra 20 pounds up and down the court. He said, that's what you're doing when you're 20 pounds overweight, is you're carrying around that extra 20 pounds all the time. And you don't even realize it. No, uh uh-uh. But it wears you out when it's two milk jugs. No doubt. Or a weighted vest. Yeah, right. Crazy. You've done that. Congratulations on your 12-pound weight loss. Keep it going. Yeah, definitely. From the 314, my pit, I just came back from Florida. Peak, I'm in a warm bed with two dogs. Okay, good. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a a two-dog night. Yeah, It's always nice to have a couple of dogs, one on each side to keep you warm, unless they really squeeze you out, which has happened before.
I have never done that. I only have one dog. Mm -hmm. I would imagine that having two dogs and maybe another person in bed, you have to be a pretty sound sleeper. Because with everybody moving around like that, you don't have a lot of... There's no wiggle room there. You need to be able to fall asleep and stay in that position the entire night. So a couple of things from this week. Number one, one night I got up to go to the restroom in the middle of the night, and Moose was on my side, and I come back, and he is perpendicular to where he was before. He's parallel with my pillow, so I had to move him out of the way. (laughs) Another time, and I wasn't aware of this until much later in the day, I was sleeping and snoring, and Darby had her head on my pillow and was facing me. So we were parallel. And I'm snoring, and she's like looking at me like, what's he doing? And Joan wakes up in the middle of the night, and she sees Darby just looking curiously at Dad as he's snoring. She's, she, Joan wanted to make a video of it, and uh, I guess we didn't. I, I must have woke up, or Darby got up. She, she must have moved. Darby must have moved. But, yeah, it's always good to have a warm dog next to you. Unless they wake you up in the middle of the night. Yeah, true. From the 314, good morning. My peak is that my longtime girlfriend finally said, yes, we are getting married. I don't have a pit. Congratulations. Congratulations. That's awesome. Good for you. You two crazy kids. Yeah. Good luck. Mazel. From the 314 peak, it's my daughter's first birthday today. Pitt, she dumped her breakfast all over the floor this morning. That's not a pit. You'll remember her first birthday. When Katie turned one, she was born on December 5th of 1997. December 5th of 1998, it was about 75 degrees. And Jonah bought her an outfit that Joan loved, obviously. Uh, and it was too warm and she couldn't wear it. So we had to get, she had to get a summer outfit out for Katie for her first birthday. Wow. In December. See, you always remember stuff like that, right? Yep. From the 636, my peak, I can finally walk again. Pit, I can't get into the orthopedic specialist to fix my bulging disc until March. Thanks, COVID. COVID has really caused some problems. I have a question here. Yes. Why is it that if you have a specialist place, for example, there's a Wash U Orthopedics building right off of 40. Why would that be a problem if it's not a regular hospital? It's mostly outpatient, I would think, but there's no COVID going around in there. There's no heart disease going around in there. It's strictly an orthopedic building. Yeah. Why would there not be elective surgeries in buildings where there isn't COVID? Hmm. Well, that's a good question, and I don't have a proper answer, but I was thinking more that so many people didn't go to the doctor for such a long time because they were Mm -hmm. trying to avoid things like that or stay inside or whatever, that everybody is trying to go at once or things are backed up. It just feels like a lot of doctors are still backed up from before. But I know that just recently, elective, and maybe it's just at hospitals, but elective surgeries have been eliminated again. And I I just, I I don't get that. You would think that if if your back is that bad that uh, your doctor could squeeze you, a a doctor could squeeze you in a little bit. You would think so. Thanks, COVID. Jeez. Call our buddy Matt Matava over at Wash U. Call his office and say, hey, Randy Carricker said that I should call Matt Matava and see if I can get my back looked at. You know when it started? That's my guy. You know when it started? Oh, about a week back. (laughs) That's my grandpa's favorite. (laughs) One more. One more from the 314 peak. My twin boys are turning one. Pitt being a cop working in this weather. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I always assume, I don't know if I should do this, say this or not, I always assume I can speed when it's this cold because I don't figure cops really? will go to the, I'm just saying, I don't, I don't, if I were a cop, I wouldn't go to the trouble to pull somebody over and get out of my car in the six degree weather. I just assume I can speed. Cops, I know you're listening, 65780, am I wrong? <laughs> I, can, I'm, 
I don't know if you are, because I wouldn't want to get out if I was a cop either. Thank you for all that you do, by the way, yeah. especially to our cops that are listening. Um, they all listen. But they, and Randy is now going to be flagged. Everyone's going to be like, oh, is that Randy Carragher speeding down the road? I heard him talking about it on the radio. I love the, the police officers, and it might not even apply here. But on the highway, uh, like if you're, I always, if I'm going to Peoria, when I was going to visit Katie, it was seven, did the... You know, the speed limit on Interstate 55 is 70 degrees. And the police officer's line is, nine, you're fine, 10, you're mine. So mm. you could, you have a nine-mile-an-hour grace period on the highway, but not 10. By the way, we got a text, 314-BLIS, best listeners in sports. Blood supply is super tight right now, so a lot of elective surgeries are getting pushed back because oh. they're a big user of that product. This person says, please go donate blood. Okay. And I've been seeing that a lot, people urging those who can to go donate blood. Yes, absolutely. A couple of texts uh, from the 314. Randy, for clarification, no, you aren't fine. <laughs> but uh, from the 618, not wrong, Randy. We have two rules as cops. Never get cold or wet. I don't I don't blame them. Oh, here we go. I don't want to get out if it's raining oh. and give you a ticket. Yep. No way. From the 636. Uh let me move. Uh, hell yeah, you're right, Randy. Police officer for 30 years. No way I'm getting out of the car. <laughs> so. So okay. nine, you're fine. Ten, you're mine. Unless it's cold or raining. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's too cold to get out. Speed away. Just be respectful with it from a cop. All right. Thank you, from, officers. Literally signed from a cop. Yeah, just, and do it, when, when you're speeding, do it with all due respect. Oh, my God. The cops that are listening, shout out to you guys. Yeah, you guys best. are the best. Yep. Adam Wainwright next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. the uh, Georgia Bulldogs fight song, Glory, here on 101 ESPN. Michelle Swalman, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us and great to go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, where maybe the biggest fan of the national champion Georgia Bulldogs is standing by, the one and only Adam Wainwright. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning. What a wonderful wake up. We soundtrack have... you played for me this morning, man. What I, I feel very special right now. Well, Adam, we wanted to welcome <clears throat> you in. We know how big of a fan you are, and you finally got it. That elusive national championship is finally in the hands of the dogs. Has it has it sunk in yet? Because I remember when the Blues won the Stanley Cup. It I would wake up some days, like weeks after, and be like, "Did that really happen?" So has it sunk in yet that the dogs are the champs? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, everyone around here where we live has just gone crazy. I mean, it is just uh, the biggest deal. I mean, most of the people that were alive to see the last national championship, 1980, you know, they were they, – they're, they're getting up in years, you know. I mean, most of them are in their 70s and, and 60s and, and telling stories and Hershel Walker this and Hershel Walker that. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's just so fun now to be able to – say we were there together and, and I had a great time watching that game with my kids too because they had school the next day and I said babe we're gonna win this one we need to let them stay up and they they had so much fun just they were you know kind of delirious and staying up I mean it was almost midnight when that game was over and and uh they got up early the next day and they were you know they looked like they had you know hangovers or whatever but they they were 
they were troopers and they were cheering on the dogs. And, you know, every time there's a kickoff, there's a, we, you got to get all into it, right? If you're a dog fan, there's lots of barking going on. There's, you yell, go dogs, sick them, hoo, 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 hoo. And, uh, and every time the, the ball got kicked off, my girls were, you know, waking up the whole neighborhood. It was just so fun. I had a great time. And, and I already ordered my national championship Coke bottles when I was, uh, when I was real little, my, my mom and, and dad gave me, a the 1980 championship celebratory uh, Coke bottles. And so I have the 1980 and now I have the 2020-21 season um, bottles. But the 20, if you work for Coke and you're listening to this, Coke, you need to pick it up a little bit. Maybe, you'll, maybe you're going to make a better bottle later, but those bottles from 1980 were just hands down times 10 better than these 21 championship ones. This just says enjoy a Coke with the dogs. The other one was like these George Bulldogs with a big picture of a bulldog on it. Come on, Coke, pick it up a little bit. And I, I guarantee you there's some Coke people listening. One other thing about that game and that win, and well, you know, you experienced David Freeze here in St. Louis. You experienced Pat Maroon with that goal against Dallas. What's it like for Stetson Bennett? How, how are people reacting to the fact that it was a home state guy that was the quarterback for the champions? Yeah, and he's he's from right up the road from where we live here. He's he's probably only about an hour and a half away from where I live, and and uh, his family, and just a, a guy who who uh, grew up wanting to play for the dogs when he was three, four years old. Told his family he was going to be the starting quarterback for the dogs. You know, could have transferred out a bunch of different times and stay, stuck around. And and you know, now this year too, we got the the number one quarterback recruit in the entire country coming in, and he's going to stick around I and mean, he's going to have every opportunity to start again too. And, and, you know, this Stetson, we're, everyone here is so proud of him because no one thought he could do it. No, everyone thought he was the weak link and that they would never be able to win a championship with Stetson back there. But you could tell at the end of that game, the guys on that team trusted him. They wanted him in there. They, they were loving on him, man, because, you know, a lot of the fan base didn't believe in Stetson, but, his team and his coach did. Well, that was the main thing. Nobody believed in him more than Kirby because every time there was a big blowout or, you know, the dogs didn't give up any points this year. Their defense is the best I've ever seen. And they'd be winning 30 to 6. And you're like, all right, get this other guy in the game. Get him some snaps just in case. But he stuck with Stetson no matter what, thick and thin, and, and uh, it proved out to be a, a, a good choice. Adam Wainwright has a great event to benefit Big League Impact coming up February 6th at Boondocks Pub in Springfield. Real e- easy drive, Springfield, Illinois, by the way. Real easy drive, about a little over an hour and 15 minutes from here in St. Louis. And you're going to have a great performance from a great singer and songwriter, Dallas Davidson. You're going to sign autographs for a couple of hours. And, Wayno, I, I think what you're doing, especially in the absence of the winter warm-up, is something that all of us can, as baseball fans can use. Yeah, and this was so this this came about pretty quick because um, when the winter warm up got canceled, I, and we kind of had a feeling. I'm like, how's this going to work if we're, you know, the trainers can't even call us to make sure we're okay, but we're going to have a winter warm up. We're going to go sign two hours for for the team. That doesn't make sense. So when when this started to kind of go down, and then I got word that it was officially canceled. You know, we we're holding out hope that our, our two sides would get an agreement or whatever. But when it got canceled, I called our guy Keith. Keith Brooks right away. I'm like, Keith, what can we do? Because these fans, like, they they're, they love this event. And we love seeing the fans. I mean, 
we can't just leave them, you know, we can't just go cold turkey, no autographs. This is winter warm-up time. Come on, what, what can we do? I'd, I'd love to come up there and see some people. And, and so we called around, and, and I got a bunch of people in the, in the country music world that are friends of mine, and I said, all right, if we can get a venue, I can get a person. I, I just feel like I can. So if we can get a venue that, that makes sense for us, let's do it. Let's, let's, have a, let's have a little show. I'll come up there and sign autographs for the exact same amount of time I would have anyways. I want to see the folks. And it just happened that inside the city of St. Louis, there was, there's the, you got the Fox Theater sold out. You got a lot of different things are in town playing right now. I, I would have loved to have done it right there in the city. But one of our board members, Carol Keating, uh, said, hey, listen, I got this great venue out the boondocks out here in Springfield, Illinois. It's just over an hour away. You can have the, the whole night. We'll give every dollar to Big League Impact. And, I mean, you know, when, you, when you're trying to raise money for charity, the, the events that we could have done would have would have bitten like into half of the proceeds that that we would have made if we'd have done it in the city. So it just made so much sense. We'll be able to help a lot more people. And, you know, this has got kind of a cardinal caravan kind of feel to it. You know, get outside the city just a little bit, not too far, but just a little bit. People that are in the city, can it's close enough where they can drive over if they want to. And and then I get to go see some great folks who are, who are wanting to see some baseball action. And I can tell you, any fan out there of the Cardinals – Man, we really hope there there gets a deal. We're we're getting locked out now. We're not striking, right? We're we're getting locked out. They're they are. Uh, I could tell you, Randy, this is an intense thing, man. Like those guys are not able are not allowed to reach out to us and talk to us at all. None of the staff, none of the weight trainers, none of the medical staff, and and uh, that just doesn't make sense to me. You know, you're supposed to be protecting your investment, but we want to be playing baseball so bad, and we hope we get it done. But in the meantime. I'd like to come up there and see some folks, shake some hands, and and uh, take some pictures, and we're gonna have a great time, raise a lot of people, uh, money for people in need. And you can get tickets by going to bigleagueimpact.org/boondocks, B-O-O-N-D-O-C-K-S, bigleagueimpact.org/boondocks. It's February sixth at Boondocks in Springfield, Illinois. General admission tickets one hundred and twenty-five bucks, and they all all proceeds go to Big League Impact, which is the the charity that Adam founded and does so much. Adam, you and I talked in June, and I actually listened to it last night and you were you expressed reservations about wanting to play with all of this dysfunction hovering over baseball are you still all in you've signed your family said yeah go ahead and play even if we miss games are you still all in oh yeah yeah i mean i i, I still love to play i'm still training like i'm you know i'm gonna be ready whether 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 anybody else is going to be right. I know some of my teammates, I've been talking with Jack and a bunch of other people, and I know those guys are working their tails off. We're going to be ready to play from the first, from the first day they tell us. I mean, this is kind of like one of those times in 2020 when they were like, all right, everyone's got COVID. We don't know when we're going to start, but you got to be ready to start in three days. If we give you a call, like that's, that's how I'm preparing, right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to be on the mound this coming week. Um, working on my craft. I've been long tossing like crazy. I've been working out running and, and uh, so I'll be in shape. I'll be ready to rock. I'm 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 uh, on it the exact same day as I normally would be in preparation wise. So I'm going to be ready to go. And and uh, I know my teammates will be too. But that gives us an edge, right? If we come into the season mentally and physically prepared, we've been talking about that. Mentally, physically more prepared than the other teams who are are missing spring training. Also, then we'll have an edge right off the bat. And you never know those one one or two games. Uh, where you come in with a little bit more edge than somebody else might be the difference in making the playoffs or not. 
Well, Wayno, you'll have a new teammate this season. Steven Matz signed with the Cardinals in the offseason. We haven't spoken to you since that acquisition. What do you think he's going to bring to this rotation? Well, he's got great stuff, but he's really come of, a, uh, of his own the last couple of years. He's kind of figured out who he needs to be out there on the mound, these, his uh, his repertoire, how he needs to use it. I mean, he's always been a guy who who could throw a shutout or could go out there and, and, uh, and not pitch as good a game. You've seen a lot more consistency out of him the last couple of years. He's really come of his, of his own, and, and uh, he's just a solid, solid pro. Uh, he's a, a great left-handed pitcher. He's just pitched a really good season in the in the AL East, a very tough division. Um, and he's a guy you can rely on. And he is an amazing person, great guy for the clubhouse. And uh, that's a big deal too. We we love having those guys who really fit and mesh well with the with the guys inside the clubhouse. That that goes a long way in winning. I also wanted to ask you about Yachty, Adam. We haven't spoken to you since Thanksgiving. I'm looking at two photos, one of you and your beautiful family and another of you and your wife and Yachty and his wife. You went to Puerto Rico to celebrate Thanksgiving with the Molina family, and I'm looking at the tweet, and it says, hashtag Puerto Rican turkey is delicious. So tell us about what what Thanksgiving's like at the Molina household, and tell us what is different about Puerto Rican turkey and why it's so delicious. I'm going to tell you something. Thanksgiving in my house is a big deal, right? This is a this is our favorite meal of the year. My wife is a really really good cook, and she does a lot of really good sides. She does the the sweet potatoes. She does the the um, the the biscuits and all the gravies and all the everything you could say the stuffings, everything that you'd normally eat tradition wise, right? She's nailed it. She's got that down pat. I, I make a pretty good fried turkey too, Michelle. I make a, a really good fried turkey, and, and occasionally I'll throw one on the smoker too. We'll have double up, and then, I mean, we we do it right at our house, right? Well, when we went to to Puerto Rico, well, that I got to tell that story too because that's a fun story. So I'm like, Gotti's like, hey, I got a couple of hotel rooms for you and your family for Thanksgiving. Y'all come down this year, and then he just kind of walked off, and I was like. <laughs> what just happened right now and then i i had to like i was up like i just need to explain to yachty like well, we we have you know 15 17 people over our house and everybody all the family comes over and we do a big and huge party at us so i start telling him that and he's like yeah yeah yeah, it's good it's good no no this year you can come to puerto rico and then he just kind of walked off again and i'm like what in the world all right well i mean okay let me talk to jenny i mean maybe i guess we're coming to puerto rico so i, I talked to jenny i said hey Yachty has already booked rooms for us, and he is expecting us to come to Puerto Rico for Thanksgiving. She's like, well, it's a really big deal at Thanksgiving. I mean, we got a lot of people we got to feed. I said, I know, and I tried to tell him that, and he didn't seem to care a lot. <laughs> uh, so he's already got it. So, And then uh, I said, well, she goes, all right, well, just check and see if he can do the week before, because we can fly down the week before. We'll do all that with them, hang out with them. It would be great, and then we'll be able to come back for Thanksgiving. So I called Yachty, or I go to Yachty the next day. I say, Yachty what do you think about the week before, you know, we could come in and just, uh, he's like, no, you don't need to stay that long. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just saying like, <laughs> we could come in the week before and then go back for our spring for our Thanksgiving. And he's like, no, it's okay. I already got the hotel room. So you can come down for Thanksgiving. And I was like, well, I guess I'm coming down to Thanksgiving. So I called Jenny. I was like, well, change plans. We're going to Thanksgiving in Puerto Rico this year. And, and that's what we did. And, and uh, it was amazing. And, and we had Thanksgiving with our family the, the Sunday before the Thursday that Thanksgiving was. So it was great. We got to do our big thing or whatever. And then we went down there. And let me tell you something. Thanksgiving turkey in Puerto Rico, which you didn't even know they had, is 
rubbed down with all their wonderful Latino spices and and cooking methods or whatever, and they cooked it low and slow and some, I don't know what they did, and it was just fall off the bone, unbelievable. Like, man, a Thanksgiving turkey in Puerto Rico, if you haven't had it yet, that's the place to do it. Bueno, I, I, plus, Puerto Ricans just throw a better party. I mean, we, <laughs> that party was – Thanksgiving was, like, pretty intimate, awesome. And then the next day they had a party, and he had this incredible reggaeton singer come in and sing. And, and uh, I mean, it was – I left at midnight, and I think that sucker was just starting. So um, <laughs> it was incredible. Uh, that sounds like it needs to be on everyone's bucket list. But, <clears throat> Adam, I just learned that it's not wise to shake off Yachty on the mound or in life. It seems like if he if he's throwing down a sign, whether it's uh, behind the dish or to come to Thanksgiving, you're going to listen. <laughs> yeah, and it was just like, you know, one of those experiences where I go, Jenny, we, we're just going to be – we're just going to remember this the rest of our life. Like, this is going to be cra- – and I, I'm telling you, my kids, they are – cannot wait to go back to Puerto Rico. I mean, they think that my wife was basically picking out houses over there. Like, where can we live? Right. This is, I mean, it, the Puerto Rico is just such an, a great, wonderful, loving place. The people there are just so giving. And so they really are just so loving. They're just very, they just open-handed with everything. You need, Oh, you want this? I'll give you the share off and back. I'll give you the water. I, here's this drink. Here's this food. You know, just like everywhere you go, they're handing you something. And uh, it was just in an in, in old San Juan. What a fascinating place that was to walk through and see the old forts that stinking Christopher Columbus's crew built, and you know talk about all the battles that they they had there. And it was just really a really good trip. We had a great time. That's awesome. A couple more quick things for Adam Wainwright. Number one, we played in your big league impact fantasy league. Adam, I don't know if you're aware of this, but we. Michelle and I had two games that we lost by less than a point. We went from being the number one seed in our division to being out of the playoffs. That's the sort of parity that we have in this league. And I know that you lost a couple of heartbreakers, too. That's a really tough league that you put together there. Yeah, and I I, I mean, I filled out the same roster for our league that you were in that I did for the big league impact staff league that we ran and I won that league <laughs> and I didn't, and I did not make the playoffs in our league. And, and uh, it seemed like every week I played the the team with the highest score. I know you felt probably the same way, but mm-hmm. gosh, every, every week I, you know, I, I had at, at one point I had the most points in the league and the worst record. Do you remember that? I was yeah. in the last place and I had the most points. And uh, I ended up not having the most points. But for half the season, I had the most points and could not win a game. It was unbelievable. And uh, I just kept saying, yeah, these points are going to win out. This is going to take you. Know, and that just, it never happened. I just – y'all were uh, – everybody in the league was just better than me this year, which I have a hard time admitting. But, you know, it was true. Um, but in our in our players-only league, too, we had a we had a league – I don't know if y'all know this. We had a league of just 48 players, and each player put in $5,000 a piece for their charity of choice. And uh, and the winner, it was uh, 48 players. The winner was my teammate, Andrew Miller. He won $60,000 to his charity and a three-day trip to Cabo. Um, it was a pretty big deal. It was, it, was a, it was a great time. But we raised a lot of good money for, uh, for our our charities this year we're going to give a lot of people food a lot of people clean water i mean it's just uh it was really fun but y'all did good i was proud of you randy you almost made it yep you did you did well 
Yeah, I'll be back next year. I guarantee it. The other thing, Adam, our question of the day, and we talked pretty much every week about some of the cool golf courses that you had the opportunity to play during the season. George Kittle of the 49ers said that tomorrow night playing a playoff game at night at Lambeau is a dream come true. Adam Wainwright, I'm asking you, if you could put yourself in a position, you're good at any sport and you can go play at any venue, what would the dream scenario be? Oh, I think the first the first thing that came to mind was to play in the Masters. I mean, that that was the first thing that just jumped off the page to me. Now, I I I do have, um, you know, daydreams of of playing at at the Square Garden or you know Cameron Indoor, or something basketball related, or 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 you know baseball. I played in the World Series at Fenway, even though it didn't work out so great. I did play at Fenway and. Played at Bush Stadium and and Wrigley for the playoffs. Done a lot of cool things in baseball, but the one thing that that is just uh, the one event that I just I rally around every year that I can never am never going to have a chance to play in is the Masters. I mean, that's just uh, what an incredible place. What a, it's in my home state, obviously. So it's got a little. I'm a little biased there, but um, it's just an amazing place, right? The, the greens. I've played that course one time, and and you gotta. You got to hit the ball like, you know, my caddy was like, all right, you got a 25 foot putt. All right, it's a little left to right, right? Try to stop the ball right here. And he'd take like two steps over to your left and like, yeah, just try to stop it right here. And you're like, wait a second, if I put it right there, I'm going to have 23 feet of bender. And he's like, just try to stop it right here. And you just, just tap it in, right? Just, just like Happy Gilmore, just tap it in, <laughs> and it would go right over there. And it would just that ball just never stop. Those greens are like glass. Every little blade of grass is in perfect, um, perfect shape. I mean, it's just a beautiful place, wonderful spot. But it, that tournament is just the coolest, isn't it? I think it's the coolest. It is. It's it's the best. That's a great answer, Adam Wainwright, with Big League Impact hosting a benefit concert and autograph signing February 6th at Boondocks in Springfield. Tickets $125. There'll be a performance by Dallas Davidson. And by the way, we didn't even mention Dallas. He's written a ton of songs and sang a ton of songs, but he's one of the best country writers, songwriters anywhere, isn't he? Yeah, I, I was gonna before I got off. I was gonna make sure I plugged Dallas a little bit. So, Dallas has written 27 number one hit songs. Wow. I mean, he is he's six time writer of the year in Nashville. And so when I when we got word that we had this great venue, uh, I called Dallas because Dallas is in my neighborhood. And uh, Dallas and I have known each other a long time because Dallas used to tour around with Luke Bryan a little bit, and he's written a lot of Luke songs. He wrote "Play It Again." He wrote uh, "Give Me That Girl" from from uh, um, Joe Nichols. He, he's, written, he's written a lot of good songs, right? Uh, he's got a song out on the radio right now with Lady Annabellum. He's, he's got just ton, he's got 27 number ones, but he's written a bunch of other num- of really good, like number twos, you know, like a lot of really good songs that people will recognize. But he's a great storyteller. And so when we got the venue, I called Dallas and said, hey, Dallas, what do you think about just jumping on a plane and, and heading up to uh, Springfield with me and doing this event? And turns out his uh, one of his guys, Randy Hauser, is at the 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 um, he's at the Boondocks the night before. He goes, yeah, hey, I'll just yeah, we'll we'll head out there. We'll we'll because uh, I think he's written a bunch of songs for Randy and uh, and all that too. So he he's like, yeah, we'll head up there. I know that venue really well. I've been there a few times. We'll go up there and we'll have a good time. And and he and by the way, Do- Dallas is donating his time. He's not charging me a, a red cent to do this. He's doing it all for charity and and because he believes in what we're doing. So 
Uh, he's a great person, a great, great, great writer. Just such a good guy. But he's going to have some cool stories to tell up there too. And and just in case anybody was wondering, there might might be a song from old number 50 up there too so oh well that's important to know that's good education you get here on character and smallman doors open at 1 30 on february 6th the signing from two to four the great performances from dallas davidson and you can get tickets at bigleagueimpact.org slash boondocks general admission 125 dollars adam it's always great to hear your voice thanks so much for the time and uh, we're still planning on going to spring training hopefully we'll see you down in florida that's right. Well, I'll be ready either way, Randy, but I'll see you when we get there. All right. You're the best. Thank you, sir. See you later. Okay. See ya. Take care. The great Adam Wainwright on 101 ESPN. And what a great event that he's putting on. Again, bigleagueimpact.org slash boondocks. If you if you miss the winter warm-up, you want to see Adam Wainwright and Dallas Davidson, buy the tickets. And by the way, it's Springfield, Illinois. It's about an hour 15, hour 20 away from St. Louis. And masks must be worn on February 6th at all times during the autograph session and during the concert, except when actively eating or drinking. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up. Do we really have a quarterback controversy or a goalie controversy here in St. Louis? We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by the Schnooks Rewards app. Check out Good For You. A free wellness program available in the app today. Eight oh six in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Blues are at Seattle tonight, and we'll have the pregame for you. Alex Ferrario will have the pregame for you at eight o'clock. The faceoff with Curbs and Joey at nine o'clock, and we're going to talk to Joe Vitale in just a few minutes. And Michelle, obviously, a lot of discussion here about. A, a goalie controversy mm-hmm. for the Blues because yes. Ville Husso has played so well and because Jordan Bennington has had his struggles so far this year. Uh, a couple of things. and I, Number one, we all try to parse numbers. Bernie and I always used to talk about the H ratio. Howard Balzer is a great guy, one of our friends, football expert, football savant. And H would always come in on Monday. Adrian Peterson had run 25 times for 182 yards against the Rams. And he'd say, well, if you take away that 72-yard run and the 30-yard run, he only ran 23 for 50 yards. And you say, yeah, but he they did allow the 72 yes. and the 30-yard runs. It happened. So people are trying to parse his numbers and say, like yesterday on BK and Ferrario, B- BK, love him, saying, well, let's just throw out the first year, the, the Stanley Cup year. If we throw that out, why do we like Jordan Biddington? And legitimate if you do yeah you say the numbers since then not great i am going to parse numbers this year uh if you take out the three games in which he has allowed five or more goals there's been three of them on november 14th january 5th january 15th those three games 0 and 3 with a 5.45 and an 864 save percentage the other games without those three he's 11 5 and 3 with the 2.68 and a 915 save percentage good enough to be a stanley cup champion goalie so i'm taking out the three bad games kind of like grading on the curve yeah and except i'm taking out just the bad ones and so that's how i'm parsing the numbers now we asked david perron the other day because we're all talking about it publicly what's it like in the dressing room yeah, well, I don't think that we see it that way as far as teammates. Uh, we just see it that uh, he's another guy in the room that 
we have to support. And at times, it's it's not been anyone's fault other than the players in front of him that that didn't shut down uh, a great a chance as good as we'd like. And we always look at that stuff. Uh, we never, I never really look uh, going to a game or after a game saying looking at goals. Oh, the goalie should save this one. It's kind of like what could we have done before to uh, to prevent that chance, basically. And. I think each, each and every guy in the room is looking at it a very similar way, and obviously we're happy for Billy. He's played some really good hockey, and uh, we, again, I, I think with Benner, if, if people feel that way, uh, just buying buying some time, buying him a couple weeks so he can kind of gather himself, uh, get some confidence going again, and that's what it's all about. Uh, when you get a chance to, to get your confidence going again, uh, nothing's going to stop him. We've seen him before. Nothing's going to stop him. We've seen him before. And when they've seen him be that way, when he has confidence, they were hoisting a cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I understand why within the dressing room, they would not have lost confidence in Jordan Bennington because I promise you those guys, they're not going to remove that run from the way that they view Jordan Bennington because they have watched him in the most highly pressurized situation probably of his life succeed and thrive. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it's a goalie controversy in the dressing room. I, As David Perron said, they're they're happy for Billy Huso because he is playing great hockey. But I think that they are aware of what Jordan Bennington is capable of. And I get that we are here with credibility. And I, I will accept that we have a responsibility with our credibility because we're around. I'm going to say two things. Number one, in asking Kelly Chase, Barrett Jackman, Jamal Mayers, Jamie McLennan, uh, David Perron, uh, Blake Dunlop, people that we saw the other night. Pretty good you, list of names. Yeah, you, you hear people and you, people say, you, you ask them, you say, any concerns about Bennington? Nobody has any, Joey Vitale, nobody has any concerns about Bennington, people that have played the game. And here's the, the biggest one, Michelle. I'm not going to start now claiming that I know more about evaluating hockey players, forwards, defensemen, goalies, than Doug Armstrong. I believe in my heart of hearts, that Doug Armstrong knows more about evaluating hockey talent than I do. That's big of you, Randy, to admit that. So I am, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, no, they should go to Huso. I'm going to defer to Doug Armstrong. I will too, an army we trust. Mm-hmm. He hasn't led us astray. However, I do think there is something to be said about riding the hot guy, especially, shout out to Marco Far. Especially when it's so important to get points now while you can, because the margin for error is, is pretty slim. So with Vili Huso playing the way that he is, I I would certainly consider giving him a few more starts, especially at home where he's thrived. And if he continues to play that way, then the conversation will continue. But also you have to look at the sample size here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe if he gets gets more time, I hope he continues to have success. But this conversation well, will, will likely work itself out one way or another. And David Perron said, just give Bennington a couple more weeks. What happens when you give a Bennington a couple more weeks? You're playing Billy Huso. And you get the opportunity. And Huso, at the beginning of the year, was going to get his opportunity. He was going to play his 30 games. He might play 35, 37 now. He's going to get his opportunity. But when the Blues gave Bennington that contract last year, they said, we think that he can be our playoff goalie for four or five or six years. And when the playoffs start and the Blues are in the playoffs, It'll be number 50 between the pipes. 
And think about how great that is for the Blues that we're, we're talking about giving the backup more time. That, to me, says you've got a great tandem. And how dangerous does that make you as a team to know that there's not going to be a drop-off if you want to put Billy Huso in mm-hmm. that in a big situation? That's huge for the Blues, especially as the playoffs come around. Yep. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And that's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to go back to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Joe Vitale is going to tell us what he thinks next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're talking blues hockey. It's the Joey Vitale Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by The Electrical Connection. When you need quality electrical work for your home or business, visit electricalconnection.org. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Joe Vitale joins us, as he does every Friday, here on 101 ESPN. Blues analyst who will be on the call for the 9 o'clock start tonight. Blues and Kraken here on your home of the Blues 101 ESPN. Good morning, Joey V. How are you doing? Randy, good morning, brother. How are you? Good. Everything's great. Our question of the day, if you could play a sport in any venue, George Kittle of the 49ers said that tomorrow night is going to be a dream come true, playing a game at Lambeau Field at night in the playoffs. So if you could put yourself in the position to be good at any sport and play in any venue, what would you? What would it be for Joe Vitale? Oh, geez, that's a great one. You know what, uh, you know, Randy, you're the whiz. Who was is, who is the Boston Red Sox guy that hit the foul pole in that playoff? Johnny, who was that? Johnny Pesky? It, the, Pesky her, like, oh, like, you're Silver. thinking of Carlton Fisk. Silver. That's it. That's what it is. Yeah, it was a big play. It was that game six, I think, and it forced the game seven or something like that, like years and years ago. Is yep. that right? Right. Exactly. To me, I, I look at that replay. I think it was from the movie Goodwill Hunting, where Robin Williams is telling that story. Where he's like, I was at the game. And he's like, he's like uh, talking about the game. And then, of course, he didn't go to the game because he had to see about a girl. And then Matt Damon was pissed off because he didn't go to the game. And, you know, that kind of story. But they, the movie did a great job of uh, Robin Williams telling the story, but then also going flashback to the actual game where I just, I just see the image of him hitting it in Fenway, and he's like, get over, get over, and boom, it smacks the bar, and of course, uh, Fenway Park goes absolutely rip. I, I was at Boston, I was in Boston for four years, went to school at Northeastern, and met my, met my lovely wife, and we, we went to Fenway, and, and we would experience those games, and you talk about just the rich history, and you know, as he said, Lambeau Field, I think uh, Fenway Park certainly has that, that appeal as well, you just you feel it when you sit in the creaky seats. Uh, when you smell the popcorn, you see the dirt and, the, and the, the slime on the ground. You just know that so much, so much greatness has happened in that ballpark. Uh, it was actually a um, a division tournament title game for my wife in volleyball. It was on a Saturday morning. We went to Fenway Park Friday night, the night before. It's probably before her biggest game, and we got tickets to a playoff game where Manny, Manny Ramirez hit a walk off, and the place erupted. But it went to like 11 or 12 innings. I remember it went into the to wee hours of midnight. And, of course, she waked up the next day, and then she played terribly in volleyball. Then she, of course, blamed me. You know how relationships work? You know how relationships work? We can't take full responsibility for anything, right? And, and, and in the same regard, and, and I don't get off, off topic here, but in the same regard, my wife, when I was playing in Pittsburgh, I, I started playing really bad in hockey. She got really into candles all of a sudden. These doggone candles, right? So she was lighting candles all over the house, and then she started lighting these lavender ones because lavender apparently promoted sleep. So I started playing bad hockey, and what did I do? I played turf for lighting lavender candles around the house because it was making me sleepy all day long. And I'm playing bad hockey. 
we can't take responsibility for anything. <laughs> hey, Joe, one one quick note here, and that's that's fantastic how you veered off into the lavender calendars, uh, candles. Bob Costas tells the story about how in that 1975 World Series, the cameraman was down the line, and there was an availability, a slot for the camera to take a shot from left center. And Harry Coyle, the director, wanted the cameraman to move over to left center, but there was a rat where the the slot open was where he wanted the cameraman to move. And the cameraman said, I'm not moving. There's a rat over there. And so he stayed down there, down the left field line. And the reason they got that shot of Carlton Fisk down the line is because there was a rat where Harry Coyle, the director, wanted the cameraman to move to. That what what a great story behind the story, Randy. That's why that's why I adore you and why everyone here in St. Louis adores you because it's, it's it's the story behind the story and that that is terrific stuff. You know, sometimes it's just it's the mistakes that we think are mistakes, right? That it turn out to be amazing. You know, I talked to talked to Joe Buck when I got the job to, to be the broadcaster here four three four years ago, and I sat down with him. Hey, we had a cup of coffee at the Starbucks there in in Ladue, and, and for people who don't know this. I just found this out the other day. There's a girl that works at the Starbucks in, in well, across from Plaza Frontenac over there in mm-hmm. Ladue off Clayton Road. Her name, her name's Squid, like, uh, like, like a Kraken, like a squid. Her name's literally Squid. It's pretty wow. cool. You wow. go up and say hi to her. But she told me the other day that that Starbucks is the busiest Starbucks that is a non-drive-through Starbucks in the entire Midwest. Wow. So I thought that was a cool, a cool thing. Yeah. But that's where I met Joe Buck. I met Joe Buck there. And uh, to, your, to your point about, you know, errors and mistakes and how they turn out to be great things, you know, I asked him about big calls. I asked him about big moments. How do you prepare for a big moment, a big game? And I'm really glad I had this conversation with him because eight months later, here I am calling Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals between the Blues and the Brewers. So it actually worked, it actually worked out kind of well. And I, I'll never forget what he said. He talked about the, the moment that he prepared for Mark McGuire's 60-second home run that broke Roger Maris's record. Now, I remember as a kid, I think I was nine years old, I actually went to that game, came home from school. My dad would say, hey, guys, guess what? I go, what? We're going, to the, we're going to the Cardinals game tonight. We literally lost it because remember that year it was just Sammy Sosa with Mark McGuire. It, that race literally, like most uh, most uh, Cardinals fans and baseball fans, it got me into the sport of baseball. That that truly was a, a special moment. I know there's all these kind of asterisks now and questions that go about it, but the fact of the matter is we got into baseball because of that race that year. And I'll never forget my dad coming home and, and showing us these tickets. They, they were standing room only, but we were right down left field side, uh, left field marker right there where, where it eventually went over, barely over that wall. Now, Joe Buck talks about that moment. He had these great things lined up where, you know, into uh, the history books or he, he was prepared to do certain things. And then we all remember that call because the home run itself, as we all remember, it barely makes it over the wall. So he kind of hits a liner. We couldn't tell. And then the camera, camera crew, and did, did it go over? Did it hit the wall? Where is it at? So what happened was, um, as Joe Buck's trying to figure out what's going on, and all the fans are trying to figure out what's going on, meanwhile, it does go over. And then what, what does Mark McGuire do? He, he misses first base completely. So what does Joe Buck say? He goes, uh, go, 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 go back and touch first, Mark. Right? And that, that was, of course, was not part of the call. He, he didn't want that. But, but he tells a story about it. He realized in that moment, and, of course, we all know that call so well, but go back and touch first, Mark. That, to me, is what makes the call, right? And he said, the point of it all is just be real and just be in the moment and don't, don't over-prepare. And sometimes those mistake calls, and maybe it's calls you didn't expect coming, like, of course, what happened there in, in Boston with the rat, sometimes those turn out to be some of the, some of the best calls and best moments and just kind of go with it. Well, Joe, you mentioned Game 7, Stanley Cup Final. Pretty impressive night for Jordan Bennington. I think we all remember that. When you watch him play now, do you have any concerns? No, not at all. He's a human. 
he he is he's played in a very high pressured situation and in a very good division. Um, this this young man, like us all, is living in a world with with COVID and and a little bit of chaos at times and question marks. And he's going through this just like us all. And not to mention, he is. I I can, I can feel for him because I know what it's like playing in front of eighteen thousand people, right? And and I don't even know what it's like for him because. When I would make a mistake or when Ryan O'Reilly makes a mistake, you still got five other people on your side backing you up. When he makes a mistake, he's the last line of defense, right? So, so he's, going through, he's going through a rut. He's going through a valley. Uh, players, humans, we're going through them. We all go through them. And unfortunately for him, it's just something that when he's going through these little bit of a slumps or maybe he's getting a little leaky here and there at times, it just, it, it's very magnified because of the position he's in and everything going on. Um, from a personal standpoint, you have to look at how this whole year has unfolded for him, right? Um, you cannot shy away from the fact that the Olympics were supposed to be this year. That was probably heavy on his mind as Carey Price, the goaltender for Montreal Canadiens, stepped aside to start the season. He, at that point, was to me, was the front runner. So I know that that's kind of passing beyond, but you look at his season, you look at the numbers, that, that is something that has been an added, I guess, stress at times for him that he's had to deal with this year. And now that now the Olympics are kind of come and gone where he won't be able to participate. Now he's moving in a different direction. I mean, listen, you, um, you, you, you can look at this goaltender and say one thing, though. With, with all the adversity and wall, with all the ups and downs that it's been at times this year, the good news is for Blues fans and, and certainly for Jordan and for this coaching staff of this team is that you are dealing with a goaltender that has been down this road before. You know, there's a reason why – he made it to the NHL and established himself after dealing six to seven years in the minors because he is uh, re- resilient by nature. He has built this, this perseverance wall around him where even though things can be tough and things, things are not going his way, he has that characteristic where he knows he can bounce back and he's got the attitude to really do it. So to me, that's what this is going to be all about. You've got to give Billy the net. You've got to allow him to, to take this team and to keep gaining points. And he understands that, but but I promise you one thing: he he is such a competitor where he is going to be on that bench working every single day with Dave Alexander, the goaltending coach, to kind of right this ship and get back to where he needs to be. Joey V, last thing, and by the way, you and Curbs will have the call from Centene tonight. You, it's kind of a bummer for me that you guys don't get to go to Seattle and have the Blues' first game in that building. Is that a bummer for you guys? Yeah, you know, it's a little bit of a bummer, Randy. You know, and again, we talk about just the the chaos and the nonsense of the world right now. The, the only reason, you know, I, I almost just said between us. But between us and everyone listening, I appreciate you listening. You know, it, it really came down to the fact that the Blues were going to Canada uh, right after yeah. the game in Seattle. Yeah. And because of the border control and because, uh, listen, if, if we test positive or pop positive in those three, four days in Canada, it's a situation where we, we may be stuck up there for a couple weeks. Good point. So, uh, you look. You look at the, all the broadcasters across the league. Um, no one's really taking these trips. Like Darren Pang will be calling it, and John Kelly will be calling these games for home as well. Uh, and pretty much every team. I mean, heck, we were we were just playing Nashville the other day, and and Hal Gill, my good friend, didn't even come to St. Louis. They're just in Nashville, so uh, they have grounded a lot of broadcasting crews because of the fear that you will be stuck in cities. Now, I think after this All Star break, which is really cool for Blues fans and for all fans of hockey, the league has announced that they no longer are going to be testing. Uh, asymptomatic players, they're basically breaking it down and say, hey, we're going to use our common sense here. If you're sick, we're, we, we may test you. But aside from that, we're, we're blowing this thing open. So from that standpoint, I think after the Canadian trip, after All-Star break, from that moment on, 
I believe that you will see Curbs and I uh, in person at all these away games because testing and quarantine, all the kind of craziness of this whole world seems to to be subsiding. And I, I think the NHL has done such a wonderful job uh, and they are such a huge platform to, to do this and to kind of make a stance and say, thank you, CDC. I appreciate it. We have tried, but we are, this is unsustainable and we have to move on in a new direction. So I think that it is a really good thing for the player. I know the players are super geeked about it. They're exhausted by it. Players that are super healthy, stay at home and watching their team battle is not a fun thing to do. So I think it's a really cool thing moving forward for the entire sport. With five kids in the Vitali household, does SpongeBob SquarePants ever show up on TV? And are you aware of Squidward? I know who Squidward is, and I despise, I despise SpongeBob SquarePants. I, it drives me absolutely bananas. This cartoon. I mean, I, I just don't find it funny. Apparently, all these burgers, like a burger joint, or what are those? What are those burgers called? Like uh, a crusty crab. It's from. It's at the. It's a crab burger. It's the crusty crab. Oh, Joey. Yeah, not, not not a fan. I'm just I'm just not a fan. I, I am as big of a fan of SpongeBob SquarePants as I am of the TV show Mash, and that drives Chris Kerber absolutely bananas. <laughs> he can't understand why I don't like Mash. I've never liked Mash. I don't like Seinfeld. I don't like Star Wars. You know, people just have their their opinions on things, but SpongeBob will never be right. No, we're, we're in the middle of a a Bubble Guppies uh, run with my one year old, and then uh, certainly just it's a battle between Bubble Guppies and Sports Center at this point. As the older ones want to watch Sports Center, and then typically Birdie, she's my one year old, she typically wins that argument. Uh, as we all know, the loudest yep. the loudest yep. person generally wins arguments these days. Next week, we're going to find out what Joe Vitale's all time favorite television show is. Have a great weekend. Always good to hear your stuff. You're the best. Thank you very much for the time. Thanks, Ray. Michelle, you guys have a wonderful weekend. Stay warm. You too. Joe Vitale on 101 ESPN. I love how he said between us because sometimes, Randy, I'm talking to you and I forget everyone is listening as well. (laughs) That's what it's all about. The fight is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. It's the Friday edition of The Fight on Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Let's welcome Randy's challenger this morning. Andy is with us. What's up, Andy? How's your Friday going? Good morning. It's going well. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Are you ready to take on Randy in the fight? Um, well, I'll either be first or last. There Those are the only two options, right? That is true. That is true. All right, Andy, let's go. Question number one. Adam Wainwright has played for the Cardinals since 2005. How many times has Wainwright been named to the All-Star game? Was it three, four, or five? I will go with four. Question number two for you. The Blues are in Seattle tonight for the first time in franchise history. When the Blues played the Kraken a week from yesterday, who scored the game-winning goal? Was it Robert Thomas? Pavel Buchnevich or Ivan Barbashev? I think it was Buch. Question number three. The NHL has expanded twice in the past five years with Seattle this season and the Vegas Golden Knights in 2017. What year did MLB last expand? 
Was it 1996, 1998, or 2000? Expanded. Okay. Um, not a move team. Correct. Um, what are the years again? 1996, 1998, or 2000? All right. Uh, 98. And finally, the first game of the divisional round will be the Bengals and Titans at 3.30 tomorrow. Neither team has won a Super Bowl. The Titans lost to the Rams in their only Super Bowl appearance. The Bengals have lost in both of their Super Bowl appearances to which team? Is it the Green Bay Packers, the San Francisco 49ers, or the Dallas Cowboys? Niners. Okay, checking our score here. Yeah, yeah, let's wave in Randy. He's chatting. Andy, confidence check, how are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling pretty good on two of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can confirm. You should. But <laughs> you did well, Andy. I'll just say that. Uh, Ra- Randy, say hello to Andy. Andy, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. By the way, we haven't mentioned this morning that Meatloaf passed away at the age of 74. Oh, R.I.P. So sad. Yeah, well, two out of three. Oh, man. Did we ever find out what the thing was that he wouldn't do for love? He would do anything, but he wouldn't he would do, do that. Wouldn't do that. We never found out what it was. Took it to the grave. Yeah, I. I well, as far as I know, maybe he left a note. <laughs> do you think it's just <laughs> in a folder somewhere? <laughs> yeah, maybe he wrote a song that's in a crypt or something. I don't know. But uh, no, for, for real though, we never knew what it was. I don't think so. So I wonder though, as he was fading off, and I, my understanding is that he passed away as he was falling asleep in his car. I wonder if he found paradise by the dashboard light. Randy, are you ready to fight? I'm ready. Okay, here and we you go. You know what? Oh, Lord. Maybe maybe it was just one of those situations where he would have died yesterday, but he said heaven can wait. Question number one, Randy, are we, uh, are you ready to go? I'm ready, I'm ready. You know, if you. Okay, I'm ready. If you get a few right, two out of three ain't bad. Okay. Adam Wainwright, who joined us at 7.30, has played for the Cardinals since 2005. How many times has Wayno been named to the All-Star Game? Wayno, All-Star Game. Uh, it seems like, because he had that 2014, um, and the 2009? It, it, I, I think it's three that he's won, or three that he's been to the All-Star game. For crying out loud, Randy, I thought you'd know that one. (laughs) The Blues are in Seattle tonight for the first time in franchise history. When the Blues played the Kraken a week from yesterday, who scored the game-winning goal? That was a a comeback, one of the Blues' 14 comebacks. And if I'm not mistaken, Jeremy Rutherford wrote about those 14 comebacks. He did. In the latest missive in The Athletic. And if I go back... It seems like it was our guy, Pavel Buchnevich. The NHL has expanded twice in the past five years with Seattle this season mm-hmm. and the Vegas Golden Knights in 2017. What year did MLB last expand? You want a story? I always love a story. So when the Diamondbacks and the Rays were coming into the league in 1998, I think the Diamondbacks won in their... 1999. I think that's what it was. So 
Andy Bennis had signed here in 1996. And I think he spent, I think it was just 90, it was either 97 or 98. I think they came into the league in 98. Hold on. Yeah, I can do this. Uh, yeah, 98. So anyway, Andy Bennis uh, is out of here after two years. And the baseball has a rule that if you don't agree to an extension by midnight, you don't get to stay with your team. You you can't re-sign with your, new, your old team until May 1st. And Scott Boris is talking to Bill DeWitt. Andy Bennis... And Walt Jockety never get to participate in the in the conversations. Mm. And Boris and Dewitt reach an agreement after midnight, so so Andy doesn't get to stay here. And he winds up signing with the Diamondbacks, and I believe it was for the '98 season. And then he spent '98, '99 in Arizona, and then came back here in 2000 after two years with the D-backs. You have a beautiful mind, Randy, that you can yeah. remember all these so things. It, but how much does it suck that the general manager and the player weren't involved in the negotiations? It was the agent and the owner. So dumb. Final question for Randy. The first game of the divisional round will be the Bengals and Titans at 3.30 mm-hmm. tomorrow. Neither team has won a Super Bowl. The Titans lost to the Rams in their only Super Bowl appearance. The Bengals have lost in both their Super Bowl appearances. To which team? So I was actually Michelle. My dad and I used to go to the Super Bowl back in the 80s because uh, I would. That's just one of the reasons I like the Bidwell family, because even when the football Cardinals left, I was able to get Super Bowl tickets mm-hmm. from them. That's awesome. They were very nice. And one of those, my dad and I were sitting right at the goal line as Joe Montana hit John Taylor with the winning touchdown against Cincinnati. So San Francisco has been their victim. And this was 1989. The 88 season, I believe. Bill Walsh's last game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and the, uh, oh no, it wasn't Bill Walsh's last game. Yeah, it was, because Seifert coached the next year. Bill Walsh's last game against Cincinnati. The San Francisco 49ers have beaten the Bengals twice. Heck of a fight on a Friday. Two great competitors. Who's taking home the victory and riding into the weekend with a W? Is it Andy or Randy? Ring the bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Optical Expressions. Providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. Just win, baby. Andy, so I, I really I'm sorry. made a short story long with those answers, didn't I? It's okay. Andy got three correct. He did an awesome job. Good job, Andy. Andy, you got three correct, but Randy, like a bat out of hell, came in and got the jack. Okay? That's exactly what he did. Andy, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Have a great weekend. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Adam Wainwright has been named to the All-Star Game three times, 2010, 2013, and 14. Okay. A week from yesterday, Blues and Kraken, it was Pavel Buchnevich who scored the game-winning goal. A Buch special. Bucci. Booch. MLB last expanded, as Randy told you, in 1998 with the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. And the Bengals have lost both of their Super Bowl appearances to the San Francisco 49ers. Randy, excellent workout of you on a Friday. Thank you very much, Michelle. Appreciate that. Proud of you. And uh, Andy, thank you for being with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk some golf. Our buddy Jay Delsing with Golf with Jay Delsing on Sunday morning, but he's with us next on 101 ESPN. The Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Michelle and Randy, and to the Brown and Coupin celebrity line, Jay Delsing. Golf with Jay Delsing, Sunday morning at 9 here on 101 ESPN. And with us right now, good morning, sir. How you doing? Hey, Randy, Michelle. Good. How are you guys doing? It's freezing. Oh, it's not ridiculous. Not golf weather at all. Yeah, let's see if we can get the latest for you. I think, it, is it still 6 degrees? <laughs> or is it warmed up a little? Seven degrees. We don't up need to, a reminder. Up, up to seven. I'm, I just want to help out here. Traffic and weather together. Uh, <laughs> Jay, we've, we've been asking people this morning, and you've had the opportunity to play the greatest golf courses in the world. If you could put yourself in the position of being an athlete in any sport, and this is based on George Kittle, the tight end of the Niners, saying that it's a dream come true for him tomorrow to play a night playoff game at Lambeau Field. What would your dream sports scenario be? Where would you want to play? Uh, what venue would you like to participate in? Oh, man, I'd want to play shortstop at Yankee Stadium, mm. Game 7. Absolutely. Uh, I, You know, my dad played at the original Yankee Stadium, and I got to visit those when I was playing the tour. I got to visit all the the new, the old stadiums and the monuments and all that. I just think that would be uh, – baseball was always my first love. I, I just uh, – I, I would that – would, that would probably be it for me. Well, Jason, sad news. Uh, Bob Golby, local product, Belleville native, native and 1968 Masters champion, passed away at the age of 92. It seems like everybody has a, a great Bob Golby story, so I was wondering if you could share one with, for us. Oh, my gosh, Michelle. I, I'm so – I'm so sad that, that that to hear about Bob. He was he did so much for the game. He did he basically, you guys, created the Champions Tour as we know it. He got together with Sam Snead, Mr. Palmer, and just some of the the true legends of the game, and thought, gosh, this might be kind of a fun thing to do. And they started out with a few events, and man, they grew it. At one point in time, they had over 40 Champions Tour events. So. We all owe him so much, especially in this area, because he was Mr. Golf. I mean, he, he was Mr. Golf. He would, um, when I had him on the show, he said something to me, and he was trying to be extremely positive, but Bob could be a little cantankerous. And he said, you know, I know your career didn't go exactly the way you wanted it to go, but had it been for a couple of putts here and there, you might've had a different, you know, result. And I said, I, I, I didn't think much of it at the time, you guys. And when I thought back about it, he's absolutely right. Because when you break stuff down and we are in this society where we're all about metrics, we're all about breaking all of these situations down. But when you, you take a round of golf and Randy, you play so much, you know, that, that some of your best rounds, you guys hinge on these little bitty things that happen that you're not necessarily aware of at the time. And it might be a 10 foot putt for par that drops one day that doesn't drop the other day and gives you this momentum. And um, I later got to talk with him um, at the, when we got inducted into the uh, St. Louis sports hall of fame. And he, he mentioned that and he said he actually felt a little bad because he thought it came out wrong. And I said, no, not at all. I took it in the way you meant it. But um that, that that was one of the things that for him, for Bob to go back and say something to me like that, it just meant he just cared a lot. He came from a different generation. Those guys didn't didn't talk a lot, and they didn't uh, um, you know go over things like we do nowadays. And you know what I loved about Bob Golby is that he didn't win the Masters in a traditional way. But he knew how special it was that he was the Masters champion. 
Randy, if you guys look at what happened to Bob Golby, it is such an injustice. He didn't do anything wrong. He shot a 66 in the final round. I think it was 19, Randy, you're so good at this. Was it 1967? Whatever, whenever, whatever it was. Yeah, I think it was 68. Like Roberto, 68. So Roberto DiVincenzo signed for an incorrect score. So Bob didn't do anything wrong. Bob's sitting in there and wondering how this is going to play out. And this, this incident happened. And Bob got hate mail. Mm-hmm. Bob got all of this crazy stuff because people said, oh, yeah, he's the guy that cheated to win the Masters. And this weird thing followed him almost his entire career. He did nothing wrong but play a great final round. He thought he was going to be in a playoff. It wasn't to be because Roberto DiVincenzo signed for a four when he actually made a three, which is also crazy. It never happens. It never happens. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, and you would think, Jay, it's such a – it's such a complicated moment because you have achieved probably your greatest dream and you do so on a really unforeseen circumstance that is going to be part of the, of the legacy of how you did it. Right, guys. It almost be like the outcome of, of the Super Bowl hinges on a replay. You know, yes. you're sitting there waiting and this replay takes time. And, and you got to remember back in 68, we didn't have all of the there was no internet. There was no, none of the uh, uh, techie sort of things that could help to move this thing along. And, you know, everybody, I, I, re, I remember asking me, he goes, we were just all kind of stunned because we didn't really understand. There was no electronic scoreboards. There was none of that. It was all this manual stuff. So we said, we were all just kind of stunned because the next thing we know, we find out that Roberto, you know, made a birdie, I think, on 17, but signed for a four. So the four sticks. And he shoots. He gets one shot higher than he actually scored, and Bob wins the tournament. Hey Jay, we have a first few tournaments every year, and then we have when the season starts. They played the Hawaii uh, part of the tour. Uh, they're playing at uh, La Quinta today. The, the Tory Pines next week with the Farmers Insurance. From your perspective, when does the for the PGA Tour players? When does the season really start? So, you know, really, we have that wraparound season. And I know that's what you're referring to, and it just doesn't seem right, does it? It's a it's great opportunity for younger players to play. There's they're, they're, The purses are still monster huge, so they're giving away a lot of prize money. But to me, it starts in Hawaii, and it starts um, – and that's that's the real start of the season. It's the calendar year, and it's just weird to think – that at the end of the tour championship is the end of 20, you know, of 2022. It just doesn't, I don't know. It's just been hard to, it's hard to follow. It's hard to kind of get your hands around. So so most of the players are are thinking about it more in terms of the calendar year and to be Mm -hmm. able to start your year off in Hawaii. I mean, did you see those pictures over there? You guys, Oh my God. It makes me want to go. (laughs) Now, now, let's go right now. (laughs) Let's go. Exactly. Hey, tell us about the show on Sunday. What do we have coming up on Sunday morning? On Sunday morning, we uh, we, we broke down the Hawaii swing. We broke down um, the first time in his career Hideki finishes first in strokes saved on the green, which is an entirely bad omen for the other players on the tour. This guy's won three times his last 18 starts. He's had 13 rounds under uh, sub-70 rounds. And if he figures out his putting – 
we could have a new dominant player on the tour. So we broke down a bunch of that. We had a little fun with some uh, trivia, which I absolutely was awful at, and and, uh, a, a few things like that this week. Uh, all right. We're looking forward to it. We'll be tuned in. Mr. Delsing, have a great day and a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, guys. You got Happy it. Friday. See you later. That's our friend Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. By the way, we've gotten so much response from you via the text line and on the Twitter machine about the Adam Wainwright interview. We're going to re-air the Adam Wainwright interview because... You want to hear it. And obviously, after the show, you'll be able to hear it on our podcast brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center at 101 ESPN. You'll be able to hear that later today. But we'll re-air that interview because there is so much good stuff from Adam Wainwright from earlier this morning. And we'll do that at the bottom of the hour. But next up, we want to hear from you. We've been asking everybody all morning. If you could put yourself in any sports situation, what venue would you like to play in? And we want to hear from you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. 902 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us. And coming up towards the bottom of the hour, we're going to re-air our Adam Wainwright interview from earlier this morning. But now we want to hear from you via the uh, Air Comfort Services text line, 65780. And this is because of what George Kittle said, Michelle, earlier in the week, that tomorrow night the 49ers play at Green Bay, playing a night playoff game at Lambeau Field is going to be a dream come true mm-hmm. for him. It's an interesting comment for an NFL player to play. A guy who plays in San Francisco, he's played in the Super Bowl, but now he gets an opportunity to play that game, and he's from the upper Midwest. He attended Iowa, so I get it. And we've been asking people today what venue you would like to participate in. We asked Adam Wainwright, and he said he would love to play in the Masters at Augusta, and he's a really good golfer. Yeah. I could see that. Uh, Joey Vitale said Fenway Park which would be very cool, and that would be a lot of fun. And we've gotten a lot of te- uh, a lot of input on the text line. You said Augusta National also. I did, because there's really no more hallowed grounds in all of sports than Augusta National. And it's such a, a rarity and a privilege to even get the chance to play there. So that would be awesome. That's, that's where I would go to. And Pebble Beach, which is accessible to all of us for a price, would be another great venue to play. But if you could put yourself in a situation... Like Joey said, the Carlton Fisk home run. If you could yeah. do Fenway like that, that'd be cool. Uh, Jay Delsing, shortstop at Yankee Stadium. That'd be cool. Uh, I have to think that uh, being on the mound at a place where you just have, especially if it was a big game, if you could get to a place like Oracle Park when, where you're smelling the garlic fries mm-hmm. and you're seeing the bay out off, if you're a right-hander, you look over your left shoulder and there's McCovey Cove. There's just so much cool stuff out at Oracle Park. Another one that I was just thinking about, we were talking about a night game at Lambeau. It would be unreal to play in Baton Rouge night game versus LSU, where or LSU versus Bama. Oh, yeah, right. Where the crowd is just so loud and crazy. Those people wait 
every every second after the game is over is just another second that passes until the next LSU football game. Right. And to be able to play in that environment and know how much it means to everybody there and to hear the noise, you could feel that place shake would be awesome. You can follow us on the socials. Michelle is on Twitter and on the Insta at M Smallman, S-M-A-L-L-M-O-N. I'm at Randy Carricker on Twitter and at RJ Carricker on the Insta. And uh, a couple of ones to my Twitter this morning, and to yours, by the way. Nice. Uh, Matthew Rose says the Daytona 500 driving at Daytona International Raceway. Oh, yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, on the pitch at Santiago Bernabeu in Madrid versus Barcelona. Oh, that'd be cool, too. That'd be very cool. High diving in Acapulco <laughs> and football at the Big House are some other uh, ideas. Shocker 64 had football at the Big House. Your text 65780. Michelle, we're getting a lot of people that are weighing in with their ideas. I love this one, Randy, from the 618 because I haven't, I hadn't thought of this, but this is a great answer. I'd give anything to compete in Formula One at the Monaco Grand Prix. The glitz, the glamour, and glory. And when I win, of course, I'd have to do a shoey, which is what they do when mm-hmm. you drink champagne from your boot. That would be spectacular. A lot of people saying MSG, which is one of the, yeah. gra- the great, obviously, venues in sports. How about this one, Randy, from the 636, St. Andrews. St. Andrews, again, accessible to all of us for a price, and that would be great for so many people. I am That would not be a dream scenario for me. I, I don't like the weather. I just don't like the layout of the course. I know it's historic, and I know it's where golf started, but that's just not a course where I think I would have fun. I do like the idea of center court at Wimbledon. How about this one from the 618? I would just love to play at the Field of Dreams with my dad. Just a game of catch. That is a great venue. And yeah, have a catch with your dad. That would be really special. Um, from the 636, this is a, and again, this is a dream scenario. But this person says dream sports situation would be St. Louis Rams open air riverfront stadium. That would have been a fun scenario to have. And we would have enjoyed that for last couple of seasons. I I would guess that last year, 2020, when the stadium opened, we would not have had fans in the stands. And this year, kind of like at SoFi, would have been the first year we had fans in the stands. Could have been so great. Could have been so great. Yeah, team would have been any good. (laughs) Well, after they were forced to stay, maybe they would have started trying. Who knows? You doubt it? From the 636, how cool would it be to be a jockey at the Kentucky Derby? Oh, that would be so fun. Yeah, I'd feel bad for the horse that I was on, but it would be fun. Why? They're a competitor. Yeah, they'd, they'd really have to compete. Yeah, I, I'm about twice the size of a jockey. Oh, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, from the 573, I'm such a homer, but a World Series game in front of the home fans at any of the St. Louis ballparks, Sportsman's Park, Bush, etc., would be incredible. Yeah, it would be. Just think about what David Freeze got to experience. It would be amazing. I just, you can't have anything better than that. If you're a St. Louis kid, World Series, mm-hmm. Bush Stadium, packed crowd. I mean, I wonder how many people outside of St. Louis, if they were having this conversation, would throw Bush Stadium playoff game into the mix. I would think. Red October. Yeah. yeah it, it means so much. Yeah, if, if you have seen it and experienced it, it's completely different. By the way, somebody suggests World Cup final, but I wonder where the best World Cup final venue would be if you could win a world mm-hmm. cup do you want to win it in england do you want to win it in germany do you want to brazil? win it in brazil or argentina that yeah. would be awesome a lot of people are texting this and randy that they would love to fish 
the Bassmaster Classic at Lake Guntersville in Alabama. Interesting. Yes, we've got several of those. Oh, Joe Buck, former voice of the Bassmaster Classic nice. on Fox. Yeah. So uh, that, if you're a fisher person, I have to believe that that's one of the all-time dream scenarios. I'm, I'm not a bass fisherman, obviously, but if you could be in that competition and you are, That'd be great. Did you know there's college fishing? Like, there are college fishing teams? I did not know that. And yeah, I was so, unaware. Yeah, apparently, Missouri's well, not apparently, Missouri State does have a really good team. A couple of kids from St. Louis, Scott Adamak's son, is a participant there at Missouri State. So that's pretty cool. How do you determine, obviously, it's, it's what you get back, how many fish you're yeah. able to catch. But sometimes so many things are out of your control that could determine whether you were a good fisherman or You not. would think so. Yeah. But good fishermen know what they're doing they and they they, they know where the, to go the lake right. yeah right. they they know what lures and what bait to use and they know exactly where to go on the lake they i, I would have thought that it was luck also but no there's a great deal of skill that's involved in being a quality fisher person uh one more randy from the 314 it doesn't get much better than being a quarterback at lambeau field and scoring the winning touchdown yeah, and then doing the discount double check. I wonder if, if Aaron Rodgers thinks about that, that he gets to play mm -hmm. at the place that is a dream scenario for so many people, and he wants out, I would, or he wanted out. Uh, yeah, I would think that he thinks about that, and maybe he did think about that more, and that's why he's, like he says, taking it all in. I'm surprised that we haven't gotten Notre Dame football. We got, we got okay. one. We got one. Because that would be, you know, to have touchdown Jesus, right, you know, looking over and having everything that surrounds Notre Dame football to win there. That'd be pretty cool, too. A lot of history there. Yeah. And, and it matter. It matters to, and by the, way, to the domers. USC at the Coliseum would be pretty cool, yes, too. Yes, it would. Thanks for all of your input. Love having you with us as part of the show. Coming up next, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. And it is officially time for... Thanks for the dad joke, character. Oh, I didn't even get a dad Ooh. joke. Well, I, I got to come up with one now. I guess there's... A little pressure on me, huh? <laughs> you didn't realize you were going to be called upon to give a dad joke during this segment. I did not. So just give me a moment. Okay, and okay. And we'll come up with something. Well, I'll you. tell you a story while you're looking. So okay. you remember earlier in the week, we talked about Zach Taylor, Bengals head coach, and how since he got that job, he had been thinking about a way that he wanted to honor the fans after the Bengals won their first playoff game in mm -hmm. 31 years. He got a game ball made. There was a bar that he would pass by all the time that was always packed, by, packed with Bengals fans. And he was like, I want to go in there and I want to give the fans the game ball. It was a great, great story. Uh, but you know what, Randy? Uh, just because you're the head coach of the Bengals and you've won your first playoff game in 31 years doesn't mean that protocol changes for you when you go in the bar, okay? Well, CJ Uzama, who is the uh, Bengals tight end, was on with Good Morning Football. And he talked about uh, Coach Zach Taylor not getting any preferential treatment. I think it's awesome. Uh, one, since since Coach kind of threw me under the bus last last week with the uh, with or last time I was on with our little Jeopardy, he got ID'd when he went to that bar. By the way, um, oh, wow. so that he, he got a kick out of it. Awesome. 
He got ID'd at the door. Hey, coach, congrats. Can I see a form of identification? Are you old enough to enter the premises? Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, he does look like a youngster. I could see him being ID'd, no doubt about it. You would just think that he would be so recognizable in the city that he would just get to breeze right through, but no. no. Four years ago, he was just carrying Sean McVay's headphone cords, and now he's a head coach in the playoffs in the NFL. Winning games. Yeah, amazing. Tough matchup on deck, though, with the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I, I hope Joe Burrow gets the ball enough. I do, too, because Joe Cool, he'll get it done. Yeah, but if Tennessee holds the ball for 40 minutes, it's going to be really difficult. And if you were them, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. If, Just yeah, give it to Derrick Henry. Yeah. <laughs> hey, run, run Derrick Henry 45 times. The ball's not that heavy. No, not. <laughs> There it is. Well, Randy, Memphis was ranked number 12 in the preseason rankings. They had some highly touted uh, recruiting classes that came in, but they lost last night again. They Mm -hmm. fell 70 to 62 to SMU. It was their third straight loss. They're now nine and eight on the season, and they're looking like they might miss the NCAA tournament. So Penny Hardaway, their coach, was asked not only about the loss last night, but was asked if he can get the job done at Memphis. Mm He didn't take too kindly to that question. I think the one thing I can say to this media, because this media gets kind of up sometimes when it comes to me, we don't have our full roster. Y'all know we don't have our full roster. Stop asking me stupid questions about if I feel like I can do something. If I had my roster like they did, then I feel like I can do whatever I want to do. I'm coaching really hard. My boys are playing really hard. I'm not embarrassed about nothing. We have four freshmen starting. Y'all need to act like it. Act like we got 17, 18, and 19-year-olds out here trying to learn how to play against 22, 23, and 24-year-old guys. Come on, man. Stop disrespecting me, bro. Like, don't do that. I work too hard. I work way too hard for that. Y'all write all these articles about me, and all I do is work. We got young kids on the floor. They got young kids on the floor. It seems to me that uh, there was a Fab Five that uh, went to a championship game. It seems to me that John Calipari multiple times has been to the finals or at least the final four with 18 and 19 year old kids. This is a young man's game. It is a freshman and sophomore dominated game, unless you're a Gonzaga or a Michigan State. I don't want to hear excuses. Don't tell me about the labor. Just show me the baby, Penny. And by the way, Memphis did beat SLU early in the season at Memphis 90-74 to when he had his guys. I get not having your guys, but you don't have to react that way. And that's, for lack of a better term, it's an immature reaction on his part. When you're ranked number 12 in the preseason, you have all of these highly touted athletes, and you lose three in a row, and you lose to SMU, and it's looking like you're going to miss the tournament. These are questions that you know are coming. Yeah. You should know they're coming. You should know they're coming. You should be prepared. And again, if you're going to pick a fight, don't do it with the media. No. Because guess what? They're always going to get the last word. And every (laughs) single coach deals with adversity, and every single coach has to deal with questions about that adversity. So don't tell them, don't ask me a question about X. Just answer it. Say, hey, this is not a good situation. Uh, All you have to do is say, look, I'm, I'm missing four starters. I'm playing four freshmen. And I wish we were doing better and we're going to get better because they're so young. But right now, we're just in a bad situation and we're doing our best to get out of it. He works too hard, Randy. He works too hard. I don't want to hear that at all. I don't want to hear he works too hard. Everybody's working hard. Yeah, right. 
You're killing me, Small. Well, speaking of saying things in post-game pressers that you might like to take back, Dak Prescott, obviously a lot of talk about what he said about Cowboy fans throwing trash and things onto the field. He thought initially it was directed at the Cowboys players, which he said not cool. Then the reporters pointed out it was likely aimed at the officials, and he said, okay, that's cool then. I'm paraphrasing. He took to Twitter and apologized that I should never have said that. I I was caught up in the emotions after the game, and I obviously don't want to encourage people to throw things, etc. Well, anyway, that doesn't matter. His apology doesn't matter because the NFL has fined him $25,000 for his post-game comments related to the game officials per Adam Schefter. Well, he's making forty million, so twenty-five is kind of a drop in the bucket. But again, it just goes back, and, and I guess the league has to do stuff like that, even though it is, it, it kind of sounds to me like a no fun league move to find him twenty-five grand. It's it, it is not a big deal. It wasn't a big deal when he said it, and he said it in jest and in fun, and yes, in frustration. But is anybody really because? Dak Prescott said, oh, good on them, and got the room to laugh. Is anybody going to throw stuff at the officials because Dak Prescott said good on them? No, they're, they're not. It was a joke. Come on, NFL, take a joke. Well, I don't know. I could see some Cowboy fans, some very rabid Cowboy fans saying, Dak loved it. Let's continue to do it. Next time, let's throw something bigger because Dak loved it. These are not rational things. People that are going to throw garbage at officials are not rational people. But they also aren't going to say when there's a bad call, well, Dak said good on them. They, I don't think that's going to cause anybody to throw things. The thing, what causes people to throw things is, the bad, is bad calls or perceived bad calls. And if you get caught, if Jerry Jones would have paid for quality security and caught those people, then they wouldn't have this issue. They would have, those people would have been put in jail. I think he had other things to worry about, like the sun coming in at bad angles and, you know, the jumbotron. Why is it, Michelle... And I get that Jerry Jones probably isn't the developer. He didn't build the thing. But doesn't pretty much everybody get taught early on in their life that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west? Mm-hmm. Why yeah. would you build a stadium where the glass faces east and west? Why not have the glass facing north and south? It's a massive area that that stadium is built on. Right. Why wouldn't they have built it so that it's turned so that the light isn't shining into the end zone from the west? You would be thinking about that, right? When you're drawing up the plans, you'd be thinking about elements, sunlight being one of them. Not brilliant on their part. Or is it great? Because it's something that will come back to haunt them. And we like that. We do like that. Do you, uh, I want to, I can't blame Jerry for that, but I'd love to. Well, he obviously had to uh, okay everything. He spent a couple billion bucks on it, yeah. I would imagine he knew every little intricacy of that building that he had to sign off on. Think about how he controls his football team. You don't think he was going to control every aspect of the way that this thing was developed? Maybe he just wasn't thinking. Maybe he never went to the plot of land at dusk after his team was eliminated from the playoffs and thought, oh, yeah, the sun's coming going down over there. That might shine into a player's eyes if I have a window there. To be fair, I don't know if I would think about that. I would be thinking more aesthetically. Yeah, probably. Not logistically. I'm I'm glad, though, that it happened to them. That's good. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Coming up, we had a chance to talk to to Adam Wainwright. He's got a charity event coming up on February 6th. And uh, a lot of you, it was a long interview, didn't get a chance to hear the whole whole thing and said, hey, where can we hear that again? Obviously, you can hear it later on our 101 ESPN app and at 101ESPN.com. The podcast brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. But we thought we'd bring it to you again next on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. <laughs> the Georgia Bulldogs fight song, Glory, here on 101 ESPN. Michelle Swalman, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us and great to go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line where maybe the biggest of the national champion Georgia Bulldogs is standing by, the one and only Adam Wainwright. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning. What a wonderful wake-up. We soundtrack have... you played for me this morning man what I, I feel very special right now well adam we wanted to welcome you in we know how big of a fan you are and you finally got it that elusive national championship is finally in the hands of the dogs has it has it sunk in yet because i remember when the blues won the stanley cup it i would wake up some days like weeks after and be like did that really happen so has it sunk in yet that the dogs are the champs yeah i, I think so i mean everyone around here where we live is just gone crazy. I mean, it is just uh, the biggest deal. I mean, most of the people that were alive to see the last national championship, 1980, you know, they were, they're, they're getting up in years, you know, I mean, most of them are in their seventies and and, and sixties and and telling stories and Herschel Walker, this and Herschel Walker, that. And, (laughs) and uh, you know, it's just so fun now to be able to say we were there together. And, And I had a great time watching that game with my kids too, because, they had school the next day, and I said, babe, we're going to win this one. We need to let them stay up. And they, they had so much fun. Just They were you know, kind of delirious and staying up. I mean, it was almost midnight when that game was over. And, and uh, they got up early the next day, and they, were, you know, they looked like they had you know, hangovers or whatever. But they, they, were, they were troopers, and they were cheering on the dogs. And, and you know, every time there's a kickoff, there's a, we, you got to get all into it, right, if you're a dog fan. There's lots of barking going on. There's <laughs> You yell, go dog, sick them, hoo, 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 hoo. And, uh, and every time the, the ball got kicked off, my girls were, you know, waking up the whole neighborhood. It was just so fun. I had a great time. And, and I already ordered my national championship Coke bottles when I was, uh, when I was real little. My, my mom and, and dad gave me a, the 1980 championship celebratory uh, Coke bottles. And so I have the 1980, and now I have the 2020-21 season um bottles but the 20 if you work for coke and you're listening to this coke you need to pick it up a little bit maybe you'll maybe you're going to make a better bottle later but those bottles from 1980 were just hands down times 10 better than these 21 championship ones this just says enjoy a coke with the dogs the other one was like these georgia bulldogs with a big picture of a bulldog on it come on coke pick it up a little bit and i, I guarantee you there's some coke people one other thing about that game and that win, and we well, you know you experienced David Freeze here in St. Louis. You experienced Pat Maroon with that goal against Dallas. What's it like for Stetson Bennett? How, how are people reacting to the fact that it was a home state guy that was the quarterback for the champions? Yeah, and he's he's from right up the road from where we live here. He's, he's probably only about an hour and a half away from where I live and, and uh, his family. And just a, a guy who who uh, grew up wanting to play for the dogs when he was three, four years old, told his family he was going to be the starting quarterback for the dogs, you know, could have transferred out a bunch of different times and stay, stuck around. And, and you know, now this year too, we got the, the number one quarterback recruit in the entire country coming in and he's going to stick around I and mean, he's going to have every opportunity to start again too. And, and, you know, this 
Stetson, we're, everyone here is so proud of him because no one thought he could do it. No, Everyone thought he was the weak link and that they would never be able to win a championship with Stetson back there. But you could tell at the end of that game, the guys on that team trusted him. They wanted him in there. They they were loving on him, man, because you know a lot of the fan base didn't believe in Stetson, but his team and his coach did. That was the main thing. Nobody believed in him more than Kirby. Because every time there was a big blowout or, you know, the dogs didn't give up any points this year. Their defense is the best I've ever seen. And they'd be winning 30 to 6. And you're like, all right, get this other guy in the game. Get him some snaps just in case. But he stuck with Stetson no matter what, thick and thin. And, and uh, it proved out to be a, a, a good choice. Adam Wainwright has a great event to benefit Big League Impact coming up February 6th, the Boondocks Pub in Springfield. Real easy drive, Springfield, Illinois, by the way. Real easy drive, about a little over an hour and 15 minutes from here in St. Louis. And you're going to have a great performance from a great singer and songwriter, Dallas Davidson. You're going to sign autographs for a couple of hours. And, Wayno, I think what you're doing, especially in the absence of the winter warm-up, is something that all of us as baseball fans can use. Yeah, and this was so. This this came about pretty quick because um, when the winter warm up got canceled, I, and we kind of had a feeling. I'm like, how's this going to work if we're, you know, the trainers can't even call us to make sure we're okay, but we're going to have a winter warm up. We're going to go sign two hours for for the team. That doesn't make sense. So when when this started to kind of go down, and then I got word that it was officially canceled. You know, we we're holding out hope that our, our two sides would get an agreement or whatever. But when it got canceled, I called our guy Keith. Keith Brooks right away. I'm like, Keith, what can we do? Because these fans, like they, they're, they love this event. And we love seeing the fans. I mean, we can't just leave them, you know, we can't just go cold Turkey, no autographs. This is winter warm up time. Come on. What, what can we do? I'd, I'd love to come up there and see some people. And, and so we called around and, and I got a bunch of people in the, in the country music world that are friends of mine. And I said, all right, if we can get a venue, I can get a person. I, I just, feel like I can. So if we can get a venue that, that makes sense for us, let's do it. Let's, let's have a, let's have a little show. I'll come up there and sign autographs for the exact same amount of time I would have anyways. I want to see the folks. And it just happened that inside the city of St. Louis, there was, there's the, you got the Fox theater sold out. You got a lot of different things are in town playing right now. I, I would have loved to have done it right there in the city. But one of our board members carol keating uh said hey listen i got this great venue out the boondocks out here in springfield illinois it's just over an hour away you can have the the whole night we'll give every dollar to big league impact and i mean you know when you when you're trying to raise money for charity the the events that we could have done would have would have bitten like into half of the proceeds that that we would have made if we'd have done it in the city so it just made so much sense we'll be able to help a lot more people and, you know, this has got kind of a cardinal caravan kind of feel to it. You know, get outside the city just a little bit, not too far, but just a little bit. People that are in the city, can it's close enough where they can drive over if they want to. And and then I get to go see some great folks who are who are wanting to see some baseball action. And I can tell you, any fan out there of the Cardinals, man, we really hope they they get to deal. We're, we're getting locked out now. We're not striking, right? We're, we're getting locked out. They're, they are, uh, I can tell you, Randy, this is an intense thing, man, like, those guys are not able, are not allowed to reach out to us and talk to us at all. None of the staff, none of the weight trainers, none of the medical staff, and and uh, that just doesn't make sense to me. You know, you're supposed to be protecting your investment, but we want to be playing baseball so bad, and we hope we get it done. But in the meantime, I'd like to come up there and see some folks, shake some hands, and and uh, take some pictures, and we're gonna have a great time, raise a lot of people, uh, money for people in need. 
And you can get tickets by going to bigleagueimpact.org slash boondocks, B-O-O-N-D-O-C-K-S, bigleagueimpact.org slash boondocks. It's February 6th at Boondocks in Springfield, Illinois. General admission tickets, 125 bucks, and they all, all proceeds, go to Big League Impact, which is the, the charity that Adam founded and does so much. Adam, you and I talked in June, and I actually listened to it last night, and you were... You expressed reservations about wanting to play with all of this dysfunction hovering over baseball. Are you still all in? You've signed. Your family said, yeah, go ahead and play. Even if we miss games, are you still all in? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I, I still love to play. I'm still training like, I'm, you know, I'm going to be ready whether 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 anybody else is going to be right. I know some of my teammates, I've been talking with Jack and a bunch of other people, and I know those guys are working their tails off. We're going to be ready to play from the first, from the first day they tell us. I mean, this is kind of like one of those times in 2020 when they were like, all right, everyone's got COVID. We don't know when we're going to start, but you got to be ready to start in three days. If we give you a call like that's that's how I'm preparing, right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to be on the mound this coming week. Um, working on my craft. I've been long tossing like crazy. I've been working out and running and, and uh, so I'll be in shape. I'll be ready to rock. I'm 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 uh, on it the exact same day as I normally would be in preparation wise. So I'm going to be ready to go. And and uh, I know my teammates will be too. But that gives us an edge, right? If we come into the season mentally and physically prepared, we've been talking about that. Mentally, physically more prepared than the other teams who are are missing spring training. Also, then we'll have an edge right off the bat. And you never know those one one or two games. Uh, where you come in with a little bit more edge than somebody else might be the difference in making the playoffs or not. Well, when you'll have a new teammate this season, Steven Matt signed with the Cardinals in the offseason. We haven't spoken to you since that acquisition. What do you think he's going to bring to this rotation? Well, he's got great stuff, but he's really come of, a, uh, of his own the last couple of years. He's kind of figured out who he needs to be out there on the mound, his, uh, his repertoire, how he needs to use it. I mean, he's always been a guy who, who could throw a shutout or could go out there and and uh, and not pitch as good a game? You've seen a lot more consistency out of him the last couple of years. He's really come of his age, of his own, and and uh, he's just a solid, solid pro. Uh, he's a, a great left-handed pitcher. He's just pitched a really good season in the in the AL East, a very tough division. Um, and he's a guy you can rely on, and he is an amazing person. Great guy for the clubhouse. And uh, that's a big deal too. We we love having those guys who really fit and mesh well with the with the guys inside the clubhouse. That that goes a long way in winning. I also wanted to ask you about Yachty Adam. We haven't spoken to you since Thanksgiving. I'm looking at two photos: one of you and your beautiful family, and another of you and your wife and Yachty and his wife. You went to Puerto Rico to celebrate Thanksgiving with the Molina family, and I'm looking at the tweet, and it says hashtag Puerto Rican turkey is delicious. So tell us about what what Thanksgiving's like at the Molina household, and tell us what is different about Puerto Rican turkey and why it's so delicious. I'm gonna tell you something. Thanksgiving in my house is a big deal, right? This is a this is our favorite meal of the year. My wife is a really really good cook, and she does a lot of really good sides. She does the the sweet potatoes, she does the the um, the the biscuits and all the gravies and all the everything you could say the stuffings, everything that you'd normally tradition wise, right? She's nailed it. She's got that down pat. I, I make a pretty good fried turkey too, Michelle. I make a, a really good fried turkey, and, and occasionally I'll throw one on the smoker too. We'll have to double up, and then, I mean, we we do it right at our house, right? Well, when we went to to Puerto Rico, 
well, that I got to tell that story too because that's a fun story. So I'm like, Gotti's like, hey, I got a couple of hotel rooms for you and your family for Thanksgiving. Y'all come down this year. And then he just kind of walked off, and I was like, <laughs> what just happened right now? And then I, I had to like, I was, I was like, I just need to explain to Yadi like, well, we we have you know 15, 17 people over our house, and everybody, all the family comes over, and we do it big and huge party at house. So I start telling him that, and he's like, yeah, 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 it's good, it's good. No, no, this year you can come to Puerto Rico. And then he just kind of walked off again. And I'm like, what in the world? All right, well, I mean, okay, let me talk to Jenny. I mean, maybe I guess we're coming to Puerto Rico. So I, I talked to Jenny. I said, hey, Yachty has already booked rooms for us, and he is expecting us to come to Puerto, R- to Puerto Rico for Thanksgiving. She's like, well, it's a really big deal, Thanksgiving. I mean, we got a lot of people we got to feed. I said, I know. And I tried to tell him that. And he didn't seem to care a lot. Uh, so he's already got it. So And then uh, I said, well, she goes, all right, well, just check and see if he can do the week before. Because we can fly down the week before. We'll do all that with them, hang out with them. It would be great. And then we'll be able to come back. Thanks. So I called Yadi, or I go to Yadi the next day. I say, Yadi, what do you think about the week before? You know, we could come in and just uh, – he's like, no, you don't need to stay that long. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just saying, like, we could come in – the week before and then go back for our spring for our thanksgiving and he's like no it's okay i already got the hotel room so you can come down for thanksgiving and i was like well i guess i'm coming down to thanksgiving so i called jenny i was like well change plans we're going to thanksgiving in puerto rico this year and and that's what we did and and uh, it was amazing and and we had thanksgiving with our family the the sunday before the thursday that thanksgiving was so it was great we got to do our big thing or whatever and then we went down there and let me tell you something thanksgiving turkey in Puerto Rico, which you didn't even know they had, is rubbed down with all their wonderful Latino spices and and cooking methods or whatever, and they cooked it low and slow and some I don't know what they did, and it was just fall off the bone, unbelievable. Like man, a Thanksgiving turkey in Puerto Rico, if you hadn't had it yet, that's the place to do it. Puerto Ricans just throw a better party. I mean, we, <laughs> that party was Thanksgiving was like pretty intimate, awesome. And then the next day they had a party, and he had this incredible reggaeton singer come in and sing. And and uh, I mean, it was. I left at midnight, and I think that sucker was just starting. So um, it was incredible. Uh, that sounds like it needs to be on everyone's bucket list. But <clears throat> Adam, I just learned that it's not wise to shake off Yachty on the mound or in life. It seems like if he if he's throwing down a sign, whether it's uh, behind the dish or to come to Thanksgiving, you're going to listen. <laughs> yeah, and it was just like you know one of those experiences where I go, Jenny, we we're just going to we're just going to remember this the rest of our life. Like this is going to be crazy. And I, I'm telling you, my kids, they cannot wait to go back to Puerto Rico. I mean, they think that. My wife was basically picking out houses over there. Like, where can we live? Right? This is, I mean, it, Puerto Rico is just such an, a great, wonderful, loving place. The people there are just so giving and so – they really are just so loving. They're just very – they just open-handed with everything. You need, Oh, you want this? I'll give you the chair up and back. I'll give you the water. I, here's this drink. Here's this food. You know, just like everywhere you go, they're handing you something. And uh, it was just – in an old San Juan – what a fascinating place that was to walk through and see the old forts that thinking Christopher Columbus's crew built and, you know, talk about all the battles that they, they had there. And it was just really a really good trip. We had a great time. That's awesome. A couple more quick things for Adam Wainwright. Number one, we played in your big league impact fantasy league. Adam, I don't know if you're aware of this, but we 
Michelle and I had two games that we lost by less than a point. We went from being the number one seed in our division to being out of the playoffs. That's the sort of parity that we have in this league. And I know that you lost a couple of heartbreakers, too. That's a really tough league that you put together there. Yeah, and I I, I mean, I filled out the same roster for our league that you were in that I did for the big league impact staff league that we ran and I won that league <laughs> and I didn't, and I did not make the playoffs in our league. And, and uh, it seemed like every week I played the the team with the highest score. I know you felt probably the same way, but mm-hmm. gosh, every, every week I, you know, I, I had at, at one point I had the most points in the league and the worst record. Do you remember that? I was yeah. in the last place and I had the most points. And uh, I ended up not having the most points. But for half the season, I had the most points and could not win a game. It was unbelievable. And uh, I just kept saying, yeah, these points are going to win out. This is going to take you. Whatever. And that just, it never happened. I just, y'all were, uh, everybody in the league was just better than me this year, which I have a hard time admitting. But, you know, it was true. Um, but in our in our players-only league, too, we had a, we had a league. I don't know if y'all know this. We had a league with just 48 players and each player put in $5,000 a piece for their charity of choice. And, uh, and the winner, it was a 48 players. The winner was my teammate, Andrew Miller. He won $60,000 to his charity and a three day trip to Cabo. Um, it was a pretty big deal. It was, it was a, it was a great time, but we raised a lot of good money for, uh, for our, for our charities this year, we're going to give a lot of people food, a lot of people clean water. I mean, it's just, uh, it was really fun, but y'all did good. I was proud of you, Randy. You almost made it. You you did. You did well. Yeah. I'll be back next year. I guarantee it. The (laughs) other thing, Adam, our question of the day, and we talked pretty much every week about some of the cool golf courses that you had the opportunity to play during the season. George Kittle of the 49ers said that tomorrow night playing a playoff game at night at Lambeau is a dream come true. Adam Wainwright, I'm asking you, if you could put yourself in a position, you're good at any sport and you can go play at any venue, what would the dream scenario be? Oh, I think the first the first thing that came to mind was to play in the Masters. I mean, that that was the first thing that just jumped off the page to me. Now, I, I, I do have, um, you know, daydreams of, of playing at, at the Square Garden or, you know, Cameron Indoor, something basketball-related or, or – or, you know, baseball. I played in the World Series at Fenway, even though it didn't work out so great. I did play at Fenway and played at Bush Stadium and, and Wrigley for the playoffs. Done a lot of cool things at baseball. But the one thing that that is just uh, the one event that I just I rally around every year that I can never am never going to have a chance to play in is the Masters. I mean, that's just uh, what an incredible place. What a, it's in my home state, obviously. So it's got a little – I'm a little biased there. But um, – it's just an amazing place, right? The, the greens. I've played that course one time, and and you gotta you gotta hit the ball like, you know, my caddy was like, all right, you got a twenty five foot putt, all right, it's a little left to right, right. Try to stop the ball right here, and he'd take like two steps over to your left, and like, yeah, just try to stop it right here. And you're like, wait a second, if I put it right there, I'm gonna have twenty three feet of bender. And he's like, just try to stop it right here. And you just, just tap it in, right? Just, just like happy Gilmore, just tap it in. (laughs) And it would go right over there. And it would just, that ball just never stopped. Those greens are like glass. Every little blade of grass is in perfect, um, 
perfect shape. I mean, it's just a beautiful place, wonderful spot. But it, that tournament is just the coolest, isn't it? I think it's the coolest. It is. It's it's the best. That's a great answer. Adam Wainwright with Big League Impact hosting a benefit concert and autograph signing February 6th at Boondocks in Springfield. Tickets $125. It'll be a performance by Dallas Davidson. And by the way, we didn't even mention Dallas. He's written a ton of songs and sang a ton of songs, but he's one of the best country writers, uh, songwriters anywhere, isn't he? Yeah, I, I was going to, before I got off, I was going to make sure I plugged Dallas a little bit. So Dallas has written 27 number one hit songs. Wow. I mean, he is, he's six time writer of the year in Nashville. And so when I, when we got word that we had this great venue, uh, I called Dallas because Dallas is in my neighborhood and uh, Dallas and I have known each other a long time because Dallas used to tour around with Luke Bryan a little bit. And he's written a lot of Luke songs. He wrote play it again. And he wrote, uh, give me that girl from, from uh, um, Joe Nichols. He, he's, written, he's written a lot of good songs, right? Uh, he's got a song out on the radio right now with Lady Annabellum. He's, he's got just ton, he's got 27 number ones, but he's written a bunch of other num- of really good, like number twos, you know, like a r- lot of really good songs that people will recognize. But he's a great storyteller. And so when we got the venue, I called Dallas and said, hey, Dallas, what do you think about just jumping on a plane and, and heading up to uh, Springfield with me and doing this event? And turns out his uh, one of his guys, Randy Hauser, is at the 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 um, he's at the Boondocks the night before. He goes, "Hey, I'll just yeah, we'll we'll head out there. We'll we'll because uh, I think he's written a bunch of songs for Randy and uh, and all that too. So he he's like, yeah, we'll head up there. I know that venue really well. I've been there a few times. We'll go up there and we'll have a good time. And and he and by the way, Do- Dallas is donating his time. He's not charging me a, a red cent to do this. He's doing it all for charity and, and because he believes in what we're doing. So uh, he's a great person, a great, great, great writer, just such a good guy. But he's going to have some cool stories to tell up there, too. And and just in case anybody was wondering, there might, might be a song from old number 50 up there, too. So Oh, well, that's important to know. That's good education you get here on Character and Smallman. Doors open at 1.30 on February 6th. The signing from 2 to 4. The great performances from Dallas Davidson. And you can get tickets at bigleagueimpact.org slash boondocks. General admission, $125. Adam, it's always great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. And uh, we're still planning on going to spring training. Hopefully, we'll see you down in Florida. That's right. Well, I'll be ready either way, Randy, but I'll see you when we get there. That is Adam Wainwright. Glad to bring you that again here on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Michelle and I have our NFL weekend picks. And yes, I owe you a dad joke. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. All right, before you get your picks from Michelle and I for the weekend, Michelle, what did the janitor say when he jumped out of the closet? I don't know, Randy. What did he say? Supplies! Oh. Thanks for the dad, Joe character. Great way to head into the weekend, Randy. Thank you for that one. Okay, time for some NFL picks. And let us get started with the first game tomorrow that you will hear here on 101 ESPN. It's a 3 o'clock pregame for the Bengals and the Titans. Tennessee, a three and a half point favorite. Michelle, who do you got? I'm going with the Bengals, Randy. I'm going with my guy, Joe Burrow. I know Derrick Henry is back. I know Tennessee is favored to win, but we haven't seen Derrick Henry play since October. We don't know what version of him we're going to get. They might try to ease him in. I'm not really sure. Either way, I love the weapons on the Cincinnati Bengals offense. And Joe Burrow 
my guy, when we did our freakout factor, I put him at number two mm-hmm. at, as the number two guy in these playoffs that is not likely to freak out. So I hope he proves me right. I'm going with the Bengals. I'm going to go with the team with the bye. We have a tendency to not pay enough attention to the bye. The Titans are the best team in the AFC for a reason. They did it without Derrick Henry. Now they have him back, a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and I believe the Titans cover at home against the Bengals. And, oh, by the way, one advantage for Joe Burrow, Janoris Jenkins has yet to practice this week for the Titans. Mm. Our buddy, Janoris. Shout out to Janoris. All right, se- second game tomorrow night, 7-15. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman will have the game. It'll be here on 101 ESPN. Niners at Packers, Green Bay, a five-and-a-half point favorite. This was the hardest one for me to pick. I think the Packers are on upset alert here. I really want to pick the 49ers. I think that they've peaked at the right time and they're a dangerous team, but I cannot go against Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau. Just can't do it. I am going to pick this as my one upset of the weekend. I think the 49ers, with Fred Warner healthy, with Joey Bosa apparently set to play, their offensive line is good to go. I think they're a bad matchup for the Packers. I think the 49ers squeak out a win in this one. I wouldn't be surprised. Early game Sunday, Rams at Bucks. Go Bucks, go Tommy Brady. That's all we need to say, right? I mean, we're neither one of us is going to pick the Rams. Even if we thought but, they would win, we're not picking them. And you're right. I'm, I'm picking the Buccaneers, and I will confess I am picking with my heart because my head is scared to death of so Aaron smart. Donald against that diminished offensive line. My head is scared to death of Brad, uh, Sam Bradford. Stafford. We're not afraid of with, Sam Bradford. With his receivers against a diminished group of corners from Tampa. But my heart goes with the Buccaneers. And then the late game on Sunday, 5.30, Buffalo at Kansas City. Buffalo has had one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in football. I think that their offense is going to have a big game. I think the Bills are going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. When the Cowboys played their first Super Bowl against Buffalo at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, Jack Buck was doing the game on radio and went down well before the game, ran into Jimmy Johnson at midfield and said, what do you think today? And Jimmy Johnson said, we're going to win big. And Jack said, I couldn't race up the steps fast enough to call my bookie. (laughs) And if somebody goes to Andy Reid at midfield tomorrow in Kansas City and asks what he thinks, he should say, we're going to win big because they are. I love the Bills. I love what they've done. I feel bad for people like Chris Gardner and Randy Naughton and our buddy Donnie Fandango. But Kansas City has found it and they're going to win Big three touchdowns. Are you willing to wager on that? I am. If they don't, you want to spin the wheel? I will spin the wheel if, okay. uh, if Kansas City does not win this game. Okay, that's your that's you calling the bookie. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So those are our picks for the weekend. Uh, great job by everybody involved with the show today. Our our new producer who starts Monday. Uh, Matt Rocchio is going to be here, but Grant's done a fabulous job all weekend. Yes. All week, hasn't he? Thank you. Appreciate Thank you, your hard, hard work. Appreciate it. It's been and, fun. And he will be here at our station. He's going to be a star. He'll be here for a long time. Yes. And uh, Michelle, this was fun. It was, Randy. Have a great weekend. You too. The balloon party with Timothy Michael McKernan is coming up here on 101 ESPN. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show till Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. 
Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.